This is Kate Beckinsale. You're listening to Beckinsale. Well, it's finally time to help. You know it's been a crime to help. Now let's all jump in. On Beckinsale, we've talked before as Eva and Queen. And yet we haven't ridden on the yellow submarine. But now those days are gone, it feels a little rude Not to chat about get back yesterday, Jude Well, let's talk about the Beatles now And we'll try our best so we don't let you down Does the listener like the Fat Four sound? We will see, see, will we We'll see, we'll see. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> call, call George Martin. Call Brian uh, Epstein. Guys, we're dead. ready. We, we only did it with three. Wow. Yeah, you have three. You have a fourth. Wow. The <laughs> yeah, harmonies. That was fun. That was kind of one take, guys. Yeah, it was kind so of one yeah. take. There may have been some post-production on there. Sure. Thank you, Zach, in advance. Well, yes, bit. thank you. Yeah, uh, but but that was good. Welcome to Bacon Sale. I'm Jewel. I'm Kent. I'm Zach. <laughs> We'd like to thank you for <laughs> listening to wacko. our last episode. <laughs> Everybody's wacko. Uh, we'd like to thank you for listening to our last episode, our summer movie preview. Honestly, there was a lot of good comments, but they are all summarized by Jonathan Vascar on Instagram, who said, the only films I'm excited to see are Oppenheimer, Spider-Man, and Mission Impossible 7. I think Sounds everyone right. kind of struggled to pick a couple others. Yeah, I, yeah, Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy got a lot of love as well. Sure. Um, but like it's, it's already out. Yeah, so we already did a bacon bet on it. Did you generally think that's uh, the consensus comment that said, uh, Scott McKay also said, I was surprised Fool's Paradise only appeared on one honorable mention. I figured oh, it would man. be in the top five. Excited to see since Kate Beckinsale is in it. Uh, Should the podcast sorry, be changed to Bacon Nolan hey. or back to Bacon Time? Hey, sorry. Kate. We're sorry, Kate. We apologize. We apologize. Yeah, we do. But uh, we're looking forward to seeing it. I did put on my album mentions. You're wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. And speaking of thanking, yeah. we have some new patrons. Hey. We have Davik, D-A-V-I-K. Nice. Uh, it's a tier one patron in a tier three bracket, uh, which <laughs> means they get bacon bits and the extra shows that are sometimes almost always weekly. Perfect. And then we also have A Bake, uh, A space B-A-K-E, yeah. who's a tier two patron. Uh, and that means they get access to kind of videos that we do. We get to see our faces a little more awesome. often along with. We're trying to do bits. a few more of those, too. Yeah. So thank you, Davik, Davik. And thank you, A. Bake, uh, for your support. We appreciate it. You guys, you the patrons really do help us do so much more than we're able to do on our own. So thank yeah. you. Thank, thank you, you thank so you. much. We love you. But that's not what we're talking about today. What are we talking about today, Zach? Oh, we're talking about the Beatles. The Beatles. That's going to be very annoying when you use this voice. <laughs> you guys. Talking the entire about the, show. Talking about the Beatles. For Hold the up. past couple weeks, I have been doing extensive Beatles research. Oh, I know. And I am so happy, guys. Let so, me ask, how many pages do you have? 28 pages of notes. Oh, that's low for you. It's low, but I tried <laughs> to keep it a little lower. But I really did just have so much fun. Like, honestly, guys, giving me this opportunity to yeah. do this show finally no, well, that's was the, like, that's the joke. My right? favorite. It's like I watched my favorite movie and you guys like gave me this DVD with all the behind the scenes stuff where I got to see all this behind the scenes it's, stuff. It's like giving Kent a pitch show. In yes. Fact, thank you. You guys, I am so happy. I brought you a little something. What? Wait, hold on. What? I'm so happy. Guys. We, I'm we on a Joel this, have his way more often. I am on a Beatles high. energy for yeah. sure. I am on a Beatles high right now. And I just uh, that's, f- nope, you are not allowed to do that. Not that, be- <laughs> not kind of Beatles high. But I'm so happy today. And I can't, so I can't, I got you this. Oh, Sarah <laughs> Kids. Yep. And then Zach, I got you something special. This is as making well. bit energy. I love it. What? Uh, it's what? Is this? Is this? 
This is what I think it is. Open it up, Zach. It's, it's gravy. KFC, it's KFC gravy. It's a side of gravy for you, Zach. <laughs> is it just gravy? It's just a uh, side thank of you. gravy. I'm so excited. <laughs> I was so happy to be able to do the show, and I told you guys, no. like, nothing's going to bring me down. I, I would like to apologize because for the past couple of years, we've done tribute shows, and we started with Beach Boys, who are just this legacy act, one of the they greatest are. bands. And then we're like, and we've done Rush. We've talked about Queen. Mm-hmm. Last year, we did ABBA. Yes, we did. And every year, you're like, hey, guys, I think we're omitting someone. Oh, you have the gravy in I, I just opened the gravy. <laughs> yeah, careful, careful. I'm going to put my fingies in it. Do it. But every year, you're like, uh, Beatles? Are we missing the Beatles? And it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And we all had our reasons for like stalling on this show. But well, now, somehow, we're doing it. Yes, and also because uh, this, I, I think I sold you guys finally because this is our 400th episode. It sure mm-hmm. is. And I said, you guys, you guys, you guys, hmm. the Fab 400. And I saw in Kent's eyes, he's like, yeah, I love a good pun. We got to do that. Honestly, he sold us because Kent and I uh, outvoted him for ABBA, and <laughs> it looked like we had kicked him a uh, little yeah. puppy version of him. <laughs> but he I love so the ABBA show. But I love the ABBA show. No, it I was great. I definitely remember that conversation in Cracker Barrel where you broke my heart. But that's not what we're talking. About. <laughs> we're talking about Beatles now. <laughs> yes, and honestly, I'm right there with you. I've been listening to their entire discography. I blame you for some of our habits now because you always go the extra mile. I where try. you're like, I watched every movie of this. So I listen to all the music and I used to be like, great, I did some research. You, now I'm like, I have to match his energy. You may remember, listener, from being mad at me that when we did the Beach Boys tribute show, yes. I, I just picked my least favorite of the greatest hits album. Yeah. Because I was like, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to go through all the garbage. And uh, you guys did. And did. so I got in a big trouble for that episode. I'm that, not sure. That wasn't why you got in big trouble in that episode. Yeah. I, I just I had, I had some strong opinions. Sure. You, um, do. you do. It's bacon sale. But uh, now, again, we have to go through the entire discography just because Joel goes the extra mile. Now, when we say entire discography, I want to clarify that there are there's a weird uh, disconnect between the UK albums mm-hmm. and the, the US uh, albums. Yeah, it's tough. There was there was a, a deal with like the, the recording company in England and the recording company in America where they couldn't quite get in sync on what they wanted to do. Yeah. So some albums released in America were not released in the UK and vice versa. So what we're going to do though is we are going to focus on the well for listening purposes. What we listen to is the core catalog, the accepted core catalog of 13 studio albums and one compilation. Yeah. Which includes, uh, I'm just going to go through these real quick. And these are the UK ones. I'm sorry, Dad. He was like, why are you using the UK albums? Because uh, <laughs> they're from there. Yes. But it's Please Please Me, With the Beatles, Hard Day's Night, Beatles for Sale, Help, Rubber Soul, Revolver, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, Magical Mystery Tour, The Beatles, otherwise known as The White Album, Yellow Submarine, Abbey Road, Let It Be, and then Past Masters. Past Masters is kind of the singles that weren't on any of those other albums. And a lot of weird tracks. Well, because I was shocked. I was literally scrolling through and looking. Where's I Want to Hold Your Hand? Yeah. Like, it, it's not on here anymore. Right. Where's the regular, the the version of Revolution that totally. I know? Yeah. It's not on there. It's yeah. not on any of the albums. But Past Masters is a good way to, to catch up on all those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's all the single stuff. Because, you know, back in the back in the day, kids. Yeah, here we go. Had, they that, had A-sides. I, I shouldn't be old man. I should be back in the day, kids. Oh, back in the day. Uh, we really singles. Ah, but we had gravy. One song, one on the other side of the record. Uh, but then they decided, you know. Now they do more albums. Although singles are coming back now. Like, who really buys albums anymore? I hate it. I wanted to ask you guys your personal experiences with the Beatles in your lives. I feel like you and I have similar experiences. I think maybe for the age that we like the Beatles, because 
in the early to mid 90s, Beatles fever was kind of back because of the anthology. The anthology came out in 1995, I believe. Yeah. And right before then, I started listening to two compilations. A bunch of legal stuff cleared up. So they were finally able to come back and do that. So I was led on to two compilation albums. And that was my history for most of my Beatles fandom. And that was the red album, which was 62 to 67 Mm -hmm. or 66, possibly. And then the blue album, which was 67 to 70, which Mm -hmm. are the two volumes of past masters, right? Kind of, except for they're more just straight hits. Mm-hmm. It's not quite the number one album, but it's most of their right. hits. Because there have been a lot of compilation a albums ton. since that time. And I fell in love. I was trying to define my musical taste, but I felt like that was the best place to start. I wasn't yet listening to alternative music and Beatles just fit the bill. And I don't know if it's because it's like pop and you need to have like a starting ground in pop and then get a little bit darker as you go. But <laughs> yeah, I love them. But then like late 90s. I was like, I don't care about the Beatles. Who cares about these guys? And honestly, I kind of forgot about listening to their music or cared not to. Really? Like it all stayed within the 90s? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What about you, Zach? My uh, like of the Beatles started in high school, Mm -hmm. specifically 2007, with a little film called Across the Universe, which you may may or may not have seen, come out in 2007. Real quick, the synopsis, the music of the Beatles and the Vietnam War formed the backdrop for the romance between an upper-class American girl and a poor Liverpoolian artist. Liverpool. Uh, Liverpoolian. So this is a a jukebox musical movie that came out, and again, I was in high school, Mm -hmm. and so I'm I'm like, yeah, I'm going to watch this movie. It's artsy and, and it's revelatory. And so I, I really enjoyed the movie, and then I, I bought the uh, album, and I listened to that a whole bunch. And I'll tell you what, I mentioned that I saw this movie in high school. Mm. Well, I thought, hey, let's relive some time. So mm-hmm. I actually watched this movie two days ago with my wife. Nice. And I can assure you, gentlemen, that when I was in high school, I had an underdeveloped brain and was very dumb. Because <laughs> this movie Hold? is horrible. Hold on, though. It's horrible. The soundtrack? The soundtrack is much better than the movie. Much, much better. Uh, they do some interesting things with the music. And that's actually funny. The, the soundtrack isn't the same as what's in the movie. Yep. They record it like a cast album of a Broadway show. Right. And, and it's... It basically the album for the movie is a bunch of really good covers of Beatles songs. Listen, the movie is bad. I'm ready for Jim Sturgisants. I think Jim, it's time for him Jim to come Sturgis. back. Yes. Evan Rachel Wood. Yeah, uh, she's okay. She's fine. But no, that soundtrack is still great. Yes, but like a lot of Beatles music, forty percent is kind of like what just happened. Yeah. <laughs> and that's and the whole movie follows a an interesting path that the Beatles themselves and their albums. Yeah, which we'll go into yes. a little bit more. So True. that was mostly my connection with this music. So it's funny when when Beatles songs came on. I was already connected to it, but I was like, oh, I like the movie version better. But I guess this is the real version, so I'm yeah. supposed to like this. So I found myself uh, attracted to those songs, plus, of course, the classics, your, your twist and shouts, your totally your whatnot. You know, you hear those. Uh, what's the, the movie? Matthew Broderick film? Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. There's Twist and Shout in it. And, Godzilla, uh, actually. Oh, yeah. that, that, that's true. It's Twist and <laughs> Shout in Godzilla as well. Uh, so uh, mostly through other media, right? I, I didn't mm-hmm. sit down and listen to the Beatles until this challenge. Are your parents fans of the Beatles? No. What, what is their bread and butter in, in regard to music? New Wave. New and wave. Okay, uh, 90s wave. Alternative. Okay. So what I grew up on. So okay. my parents were way into the Beatles. My mom liked music like The Doors, but my dad... I guess what had the foresight of buying albums, never opening them, and we still have them to this day. They're going to be worth so some the money. records. Yeah. I mean, but it's like, when do you sell them? Is it okay when to sell them? When Beatlemania raises again. Okay. If that happens after the because, show. Because no, I, I do feel like currently there is this odd anti-Beatles sentiment where they've been hot for so long. They're like, um, if I may use a sports term, the Dallas Cowboys. 
Yeah. They've been winning for so long that people mm-hmm. kind of love to hate them now. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of the, the tide is turning that way. And much like the Dallas Cowboys, they haven't won in since the 90s. <laughs> but the point being is that I wanted to bring this up because, as you know, I'm very happy on the show. I'm mm-hmm. very elated to do the show because I was... I was born and raised in Beatlesville. All right. This is like my, my mom and dad are huge fans. They they were teenagers when this was all happening. Cool. When Beatlemania was, was at its peak. And my, my oldest brother listened to it. My, my second oldest brother listened to it. My sister listened to it. Like all my older siblings were listening to it. So, of course, I heard this all the time. Records were playing constantly, Mouse. I was, I was baptized. I was immersed in Beatles. It sounds like it. All the time. So when Anthology came out in 95 and I was a teenager, I got to kind of live a small piece of what Mm -hmm. they did in like, wow, this is really cool to learn more about this band. That being said, I mean, I knew enough about the band. I can can name John, Paul, George, Ringo, you know, by image, I knew who was who. Yeah. But during this challenge, I got to learn so much more. It put all these pieces together that I hadn't connected before. And I I watched all the movies. I watched a couple. I'm so sorry. Well... (laughs) Some are better than others. Sure. Uh, and then I watched a couple documentaries. I watched mm-hmm. the, the Get Back by oh, Peter Jackson, which was beast. Kind of, that was the end time of bad time. But I also watched the 2016 uh, Eight Days a Week by Ron Howard, mm-hmm. which was their beginning time. And I loved seeing all that come together. So for ah, me, this, together. Yeah, ah, this is kid in the candy store stuff. Okay, good. But let's jump into it, shall yeah, we? Yeah, let's do it. And I hope I do my parents proud. Mom, Dad, I love you. So the Beatles, John Lennon, Paul McCartney, George Harrison, Ringo Starr. Were f- the, the Beatles formed uh, in Liverpool, which is in England, in 1960. And why are we talking about the Beatles? Because they are literally the best-selling music act of all time, with estimated sales of 600 million units worldwide. Elvis is number two, Michael Jackson is number three, Elton John is number four, Queen is number five. They spent 1,278 weeks on the Billboard chart and spent... 175 weeks at number one on the charts. They are literally the most successful act in the history of the U.S. Billboard charts. Insane. Yeah. So this is a big band we're talking about. So even we're going to approach this as if you don't know who the Beatles are, listener, or you have a cursory knowledge because we do feel like we're, you know, a lot of people haven't been exposed to it maybe as much as me. (laughs) Yeah, sure. So you talked about the members of the Beatles. Yes. So they didn't start as the Beatles. No, no. Uh, John Lennon was in a band. In 1956. Um, and he was called the Quarrymen. Mm-hmm. And he invited his buddy, uh, Paul McCartney, who was 15 years old at the time, yeah. uh, to join the band. And so it was the lead guitar and kind of a rhythm guitar thing going on. And there was a couple of John Lennon's buddies at that time as yeah, well. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was a bigger group. Yeah. And then they, uh, Paul McCartney invited his buddy, George Harrison, who was also 15, to come and watch the band. Yeah, they're tiny. He auditioned and got in. Like, I mean, picture that. 15 and 16-year-old kids mm-hmm. uh, just... Goofing around and playing a band. Yeah. They had a buddy uh, whose name was Stuart Sutcliffe. He played bass, and he was the one who suggested changing the name's band from the Quarrymen to the Beatles. B-E-A-T-A-L-S. O-N-E, like Wonders. Kind of yeah. like that, yeah. And so this is it looks a tribute. like Beatles. This is a tribute to Buddy Holly and the Crickets, so they thought that would be kind of cute. Yeah, so the Crickets, they were going to be the Beatles. Right. Because they do beats. And then they did change their name to Silver Beatles for a while, and after Sutcliffe left the band to do art studies in Germany, they decided just to shorten it just the Beatles. Yeah. And they spell it differently because, you know, it made it easier on Google searches back then. And they had random drummers come in, but one of the most well-known first ones was Pete Best. Yes. And so Pete Best was there as they started to kind of play cover songs and do a lot more of these uh, live shows at the Cavern mm-hmm. and other places around around them. And they also went to Hamburg. Yeah, they spent two years in Hamburg, Germany. Yeah. Which, so that was pretty crazy. It's kind of weird, but at the same time, uh, England and Germany are a lot closer than America and Germany. So sure. it's like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. As they were in Germany, they encountered a drummer named Ringo Starr who was playing with another band. They're like, yeah, mm-hmm. he's kind of cool, but they, nothing happened then. 
It wasn't until they were playing at the Cavern Club and a uh, local record store owner named Brian Epstein, he heard about them. In fact, someone came into his record store, his dad's record store, and just said, hey, do you have any records by the Beatles? And he's like, who are these guys? And they're like, yeah. Oh, they're playing around Cubs. You, sh- you should come see them. So he went down there, listened to them, said, these guys are pretty good, and decided to uh, ask them over and over again until he became their manager in 1962. But you know what's crazy is he tried to get them a record deal, and the studio is basically like, guitar groups are on their way out. Yeah. What Brian Epstein did, many people call him the fifth Beatle, mm-hmm. because he's the one who put a little polish on them. He was uh, you know, a well-dressed, well-mannered uh, Liverpool guy, and he helped form them in kind of the look and feel. But then you have George Martin. Because as Brian Epstein was taking them around and trying to get them to get record deals, Parlophone said, hey, okay, you can come with us, and George Martin's going to be the music music producer. Some people also call him the fifth Beatle, George Martin. <laughs> There's a lot of fifth Beatles. Because he's the one. Uh, Brian Epstein gave, uh, Epstein gave them the polish, and then uh, George Martin is the one who kind of made them uh, better in the studio mm-hmm. and was able to distribute things. George Martin, that's the guy that wrote the all those fantasy books? Uh, that was his son, R.R. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> wow. Oh, but it's it. actually, so what, when they went and started recording the studio, it was George Martin who said, I don't really like Pete Best in this song. Yeah. Let's get a session drummer. And that's standard procedure at the time. Mm-hmm. But the, the band kind of went, okay, we got to drop Best. Yeah. And so they got rid of him. We need a guy with a punchable face. He's <laughs> also adorable. Oh, Ringo Starr. Ringo Starr. Because like I said, they played with him earlier. They knew him from before. And they said, yeah, uh, join our group. And way back in the beginning days of Bacon Cell, I did a whole pitch on why they should do a movie about Pete Best, the guy who was almost a Beatle, almost like a successful Beatle. He Mm -hmm. He was the early Beatle. I just love that they were this new band getting in there, being all excited. And the studio was EMI Recording Studio. And later became the Abbey Road Studio. Like they're basically like, yeah. oh, this is ours now, by yeah. the way. <laughs> but then you have, uh, their, they did their first single, which was Love Me Do. You guys know that one. Mm-hmm. Love, Love Me, me Do. do. Uh, that was their first single. And it already became a hit in the UK. They did their first album, Please Please Me. And it was the first of 11 consecutive Beatle albums to reach number one in the UK. Like they hit the ground running with their music. Can we pause real quick and talk about how consistent they were putting out music? Now, I know yes. in their first four years, they were putting out, I don't know what, 40 to 50% covers on a lot of their albums. So many covers. And they're not very good. They're hey, often bad. The covers are the bad ones, truly. No. Because they were learning they how to write music. They sing Music Man at one point. You get, it's okay. I love Music Man. I don't. No, I love that song. There were birds uh, on a hill. Oh, yeah. But I never saw them. Ah, best versions in the wedding singer but it's crazy that like you look at bands now that want to stay famous for a long time mm-hmm. and they may put out an album every other year and even that that consistency is a ton yeah these guys for like every eight months they new said, album. i think at the, at the beginning george martin was saying okay here's the deal every i think it was every three months you do a single every six months i want an album and it was wow they were churning these things out like two a year diminishing returns though come on let's be honest i would just there is a blur with the three first like three albums they're so good because it just kind of shows that they are just pumping out Best music, blur ever out music and i would say early on for me listening to the discography in order yeah. i was like i don't really see the potential yes there are the singles but I'm like, I don't really get why they are the Beatles yet. That was something similar that I've experienced is those first couple albums, they don't feel markedly different than anything that happened before them. Same. However... Very tributary to the bands at I, the time. I asked. Uh, my, they, they were heavily influenced by Elvis Presley and Chuck Berry and, mm-hmm. and like... Buddy Holly. Don't Buddy forget Holly. Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly. He's a big deal. Well, um, I mentioned them with the name. Yes. However, I, I had a conversation with my mother-in-law and I was like... How do you feel about the Beatles? And she's like, oh, no, I remember when they came on the scene. I watched them on the Ed Sullivan show. And I asked her, I was like, well, 
they, I don't, I listen to the music and I don't hear anything different from the time. What yeah. was the deal? And literally it, it boiled down to, they were from England and we thought that was really cool and we liked their long hair. Like it was just, it was more about a vibe. So yeah, you might wow. listen to them musically and say, it's good, but I don't hear anything special. It was so much more about their vibe that well, turned into and that's what I was going to say. So music. me personally, yeah. I think I love from the beginning. I listen to these albums and Do there's you? something special. And it, it, like I said, it could be because I was raised on this stuff. Mm-hmm. But it oh, is, it's definitely. But like, there's like just stuff happening in the music with points and counterpoints and rhythms and harmonies that I'm like, this is so much fun. But really, it, their attitude that they, they had the kind of this quirky. It wasn't rude. It was kind of just cheeky to put it in English terms. Yeah. Where they would answer questions flippantly or, or make comments, and people are like, "These guys are fun. Mm-hmm. These guys are, are nice. Like they're good boys. They're, they're clean good boys. boys." But you can tell there was an edge to them. Yeah, yeah. But they became really big in the UK, and then, like Zach just mentioned, they gave their first live U.S. television performance on the Ed Sullivan Show in 1964, and there were 73 million viewers in over 23 million households. Guys, 34 percent of the American population watched this live broadcast. Insane. I mean, and, what and else was there to do? Why? Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> but why? Because it was just like this boy band at the time. Granted, there weren't as many bands as there are now, but that many people watching this phenomenon. It was, they say the hype was real. Yeah, because they've already been coined Beatlemania, the Fab Foursome at that time. Fab like, Four. Yeah, well, yeah, which then became Fab yeah. Four. Looking back, I'm like, I was listening to the albums going, would I have liked this at the time? Honest answer, no. Because I'm me. But would I definitely eventually I was like, what songs would have caught me and made me go, okay, they're no longer the imagined dragons of their time. (laughs) These guys are the Beatles. Wow. I'm so sorry to the Beatles. (laughs) But they were just uh, to me, uh, I would be annoyed that they're so popular, whereas a classic rock would have been doing things better. Mm -hmm. But then there's a point where they just took off and ran for me. Well, and, and one of the things I will never get tired of watching the fangirls just lose their brains at, oh, yeah. at the performances, like screaming and crying. To the point where no one could hear the Beatles. And, but it's so hilarious to me when I watch this, and I'm like, there's something about them. Mm-hmm. Like he said in one of the interviews, he said, it's like every time we shake our head, they just scream. And so we just decided to start doing that a lot. And it's their mop tops flopping around or something. But it really is just like this amazing experience to watch the power they have over the audience in the Ed Sullivan Theater mm-hmm. and then every live performance they did. Them coming over to America was a huge deal yeah. and ushered in what they call the British Invasion, which is when uh, acts like the Dave Clark Five and the Rolling Stones and the Kinks, they all came over and mm-hmm. saw success in America. And this was a huge deal. It was just all these British acts became now popular because of the Beatles. Also, while uh, in one of their visits to America, they met with Bob Dylan, who was a, po- a very popular uh, oh, folk singer at yes. the time. Yeah, and John started imitating his Bob voice, which is a thing. And also that's when they uh, were introduced to... Um, the grass that was greener in America. Oh, uh, sure. Oh, grass, uh, gr- greener grass, greener grass. They, they partook of that. Yeah. So it became like the rock star story. Essentially, they were so big. Eventually, that's what. And they, yeah, you know, they, they started they, off with. They, they had that uh, the grass that was greener. Mm-hmm. But then, like I said, John Lennon started imitating a style. Oh, and it, well, okay, okay. We're keeping it family friendly here as much as we can. We're trying, yeah. But I just want to bring this up because what the heck? Apparently, in early 1965. Huh. Following a dinner with Lennon, Harrison, and their wives, George Harrison's dentist, yeah. John Riley, secretly added LSD to their coffee. Who does that? Yeah. Oh, so now the greener grass has mushrooms in it. Uh, apparently. Yeah, uh, but apparently the band loved it. Well, they, they said, like, well, George and John loved it. Yeah. Ringo was a little bit off-put by it, and Paul didn't want anything to do with it for a mm, bit. For a while, mm, he resisted. Okay. 
but the yeah, George Harrison, his uh, the use of psychedelic drugs uh, kind of made him put him on the path to meditation and Hinduism. That became kind of a big thing for him. Yeah, and some say this was when their minds were really open to being artists. Others say this was the time when they started kind of their downfall. Sure. So where do you land on this? This I, is still pretty early. This is 65. This is three years into their fame. Yeah. But I do feel like, I mean, when they start experimenting with the, those types of things. Greener grass. Obviously, I have moral objections to it. Of course. But also just some of their music. Not a big fan of the experimental stuff as much when they're like, this sounds really good oh, when you're high. For me, and this developed for better or worse, but the longer they went and the longer the greener grass took effect. And, and the fungus. It, and yeah. the mushrooms. Fungus from Last of Us, obviously. The, yeah, the, yeah. the infected. It made peaks and valleys. Some of the worst Beatles songs, but some of the all-time greatest Beatles sure. songs. And I think it was because John Lennon went, you know, <laughs> you know what? You know what? You know what? John Lennon's up in the nose. I'm an artist now. And so he wanted to make sure that every song was deeper than the hooks they created at the beginning. Because the hooks they had were so great. The early well, Beatles songs were, are so fun. I think George Martin said they were doing singles back yeah. then. Pop yeah. singles to mm-hmm. be popular. And it wasn't until around uh, this, when they started after a couple albums, they, they went, thematic is this, we want to be more themed. Is this Rubber Soul? This is Rubber yes. Soul's kind of that. Rubber, as Rubber I was listening style. through the first, I think it's the first three albums of the list that you you uh, assigned to us, Joel. I was like, okay, this is kind of a lot of the same sound. Rubber Soul is the first one where I go, this is becoming the Beatles. You know, this is what I perceive the Beatles yeah. to be. See, and I definitely perceive the Beatles more as the 1964 Beatles. I can see that, like, your enthusiasm for them. Your outfit right now is 1964 Beatles. And, I mean. But I don't think it's representative of the Beatles. The Beatles are the greener grass with fungus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and they, they shop at the psychedelicatessen. Yes. Like, it's it's not as clean cut as they were to start. Yeah. Paul McCartney said, we'd done our cute period and now it was time to expand. Yes. And to some people that brought controversy, but they were already kind of with controversy. They were named Queen Elizabeth II, appointed them as members of the Order of the British Empire, which was a huge, there was a huge backlash mm-hmm. in England because they're like, that's for military veterans and civic leaders. Um, and that started kind of a little uh, shaky, shaky over there in the yeah. UK for their popularity. It is crazy. And I didn't know this, but a lot of their albums are just movie soundtracks. Mm. Kind of, yes. I mean, they, like, because, like, their studio wasn't super great at licensing them to movies. And so United Artists, the Bond guys, they, hey. were, they, were, they were like, hey, can we make movies with you? Because we want to cash in on this as well. Yes. And so they did. In fact, they said, we want to make a movie real quick because they're going to be done by summer. Yeah. Insert Hard Day's Night. Hard Day's yeah. Night, help. Uh, and then it continues. And granted, they were contractually obligated to make these LPs. Yeah. So, yeah. So then, yeah, they got a three picture deal of Hard Day's Night, 1964, Help in 1965, and Yellow Submarine in 1968, oh, which boy. was an animated one. Yeah. Mm. And in the, oh, they did a made for TV movie called The Magical Mystery Tour. I watched that for the first time in research for this okay, episode. I haven't seen that one. Whoa. It's like Star did Wars. Did you feel like greener grass it's was like, taking effect on you? It's like Star Wars Holiday. Oh, no. It's that level of bad. Fungus. It's, <laughs> they were definitely not in their right mind while making that. Yeah. But they really did like, I mean, in the film and music, they were making just big waves. They were the first rock group to be nominated for a Grammy Award for Album of the Year because rock just wasn't as big of a thing. Sure. It wasn't as hailed back then by critics. But uh, then, like you said, they started making Rubber Soul and moving forward. In fact, George Harrison called Rubber Soul his favorite album. It is where they get amazing. Rubber Soul is where I go, yep, this is solid. Absolutely solid. And it's actually where I start going, I don't like as many. Oh, no, Rubber, I love this. Rubber yeah. Soul is good. Revolver? I don't like Revolver as much. What? Like, honestly, that's... It's amazing. That, can't, we're at opposite... I think we are. ...kind of trajectories here. Yeah. I start, less, right I start less liking less and less songs after this. Oh, wow. Or, like, on the album. I get you. 
I think they become more consistent on the albums, but the band was less consistent because they started having issues right around Rubber Soul. Yes, uh, they had some conflicts in the group. Okay, so John. Can we Lennon just talk about other personalities, like just spitball? Yeah. Uh, so you know the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Who is Paul Leonardo. is Leonardo? John is Raphael. Donatello is George, mm-hmm. and Paul is Michelangelo. That's amazing. So that <laughs> that's how I in my mind. But no, uh, John was like the kind of the I de facto. Just, I just picture them with colored headbands now. <laughs> uh, John, great. Yeah, John was the creative leader. Paul was the cute one, but also he wrote a lot of the songs well. So like the Lennon McCartney wrote the majority, like yeah. 80%, 90% of Beatles songs. And then you get uh, George, the quiet one. Yeah. And he is, uh, his songs were, um, I'm not a big fan of most of them. He's very experimental. And a lot, of, a lot of them didn't get used until the end. Yeah. But when he comes into his own, my goodness. And then you get Ringo, who's happy to be there. He's so cute. He's happy to be there. Oh, Michelangelo. I think it's Ringo's funny. a party dude. Ringo is either seen as one of the worst drummers of all time or one of the best, and there's nothing in between. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. People yeah. are like, he's brilliant. And other people are like, he kind of sucks. Do we have a preference on this show of John or Paul? Paul. I think I'm a Paul, Paul guy. Show. I've always so, been a Paul guy. Are you a George guy? I was upset when I found out John was actually kind of the leader. I was like, what? It should be Paul. See, I think there wouldn't be a Beatles without John Lennon. No. Obviously, I, I because he started, agree. right? But there well, was, and his creative there was something minded. in his whole attitude about music that he was more the, the, the starter, the, the, the screaming voice, mm-hmm. a lot of the beautiful melodies. But then you have the workhorse that's Paul. And I want to yeah. say, Paul, I'm going to give Paul 60-40, but John... Even though I didn't like him as time went on and doing this research, I'm like, I like him less and less. Yeah. But I just feel bad for the guy because he cared so much that he kind of got lost in his own head. He so, yeah, that it's really interesting to walk, watching all the documentaries, see their personality differences yeah. because when? Lennon McCartney would write songs together. They would sit in a room and hash it out together. Yeah. And this one of them would come one day and go, I have, I have this song I just wrote. You want to work it with me? And they'd work something together. And that partnership worked so well. When you see it on video, for example, Get Back. Yeah. And that's late into their career when they don't really like each other. Yoko's involved and everything like that. We'll get there. And we'll get there. But you see Paul come to the table and say, I've got a little ditty I'm writing. And he starts writing something like, that's the beginning of an amazing song. And then John goes, hold on, hold on. And adds magic. And they together are just beauty. Because the two of them together are better than both of them apart from each other. Yeah. I think. In fact, that might be said about all four Beatles. Where does Yoko come in? We'll get we'll there. get there. Okay, because we want to talk a little more about the conflicts that were happening, or, or mm-hmm. uh, shall we say, controversy. Yeah, there was a cover they did that was only released in the U.S. where they were wearing, wearing la- white lab coats and they had raw meat and baby doll parts, and it was this weird kind of avant-garde poster. Mm-hmm. But people thought it was uh, obscene or grotesque. Yeah, so that kind of went. It well, makes sense. Well, these aren't the Beatles we used to love, and their music started changing as well. And then John Lennon, during an interview with mm-hmm. a British reporter named Maureen Cleave, he said kind of flippantly uh, that the Beatles were more popular than Jesus now. Yeah. Which did not go well. Not with here a in lot the States. Of, yeah. Over in the Bible in the Belt. Oh yes. boy. There were, there were burnings of albums. Uh, radio stations were refusing to play their songs. It, it really did kind of just put a big black eye on this reputation they built. It kind of seems like everywhere they went, trouble followed at this point. Like yes. they got invited to the Philippines. And so they were there as dignitaries, essentially. Mm-hmm. And the first lady of the Philippines asked them to breakfast. And they didn't really realize that that was a big deal. No, like it was through their manager and everything. Yeah. And they're like, hey, do you want to go they're visit like, this person? No, we're good. We're, we're, we're going to go we home. We don't really do that. We're tired. They declined and the whole nation found out immediately riots were happening. The whole country is going for their heads. Yeah. And they, they had to be like protected and flown out of the country. They did a show in Japan yeah. at, a, at a stadium that was supposed to, it's usually reserved for martial arts mm-hmm. and other artistic things. And so they were like, this is a pop group. And there's huge protests there yeah. as well. 
Like it really was weird to see just their popularity kind of get turned on its head. Mm -hmm. But as they were playing all these concerts, as they had all these issues, they finally, uh, they they were doing huge like stadium shows uh, at Shea Stadium and Candlestick Park. And they were getting so tired of the touring scene because they said we're competing with a bunch of screaming people. They don't care about what the songs we're singing are. They just want to see us on stage and scream at us. They were screaming so much that the Beatles couldn't hear themselves. No one could hear what they played. And so honestly, they only did shows that were about 30 minutes a piece. Well, but, okay. I would be so upset if I went to a concert and they did 30 minutes. Were you guys shocked by how short these albums were though? Yeah. Like 30 it, minutes. They're a piece? like Weezer albums. Let's be real. <laughs> I, was, I, guess it. I was often thankful, <laughs> especially for the early ones. So, yes, uh, in 1966, their last show was at San Francisco's Candlestick Park. That was their last commercial concert. And they stopped touring. They said, we're not going to tour anymore. I look at the band. I, I kind of lose a little bit of respect because I like touring X. But they had done 1,400 concert appearances at before least. then. It in was like four or five years. Like That's four years. That doesn't even include a lot of the stuff they did before they were really big. Yeah. So they did. Yeah. 1,400 So I don't blame shows. them, but I'm also I would have been upset if I were a Beatles fan at that time. Yeah. But then they started doing more experimental sounds in their albums, like yeah, in Revolver, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. They were just kind of trying new it, things with like backtracking. This is the crossover, I think, with Paul's friendship with Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys. Yeah. Because obviously Beach Boys were so experimental, especially Brian Wilson. And then also John Lennon was experimental with other things. Greener grass with fungus. But yeah. Sgt. Pepper's took 700 hours to record that album. And you can yeah. hear it. The production there is zany. Yeah, they go kind of crazy on that. And this during this time of experimentation, though, they also had the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Go this on. is the beginning of the end for the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Because in 1967, Brian Epstein died. They said it was an accidental death, an accidental overdose. Mm-hmm. And he was really kind of like the the dad of the Beatles. He was the one yeah. keeping them kind of organized in an order. I mean, George Martin was kind of their dad, too. So it's like my two dads. Remember that sitcom? <laughs> but <laughs> has nothing to do with this. But, but honestly, once the, he left, they were kind of disorganized well, and, and this was such a dark era for them even though yeah music was still coming out they're still doing movies and soundtracks they were going to buy an island off of greece and create a utopia like a commune yeah they didn't last very long thankfully no but then they're like let's go to india yes they, they decided um george harrison had met the the i'm not gonna say it right the maharaji mm-hmm. that's not right but uh, something like that he was going to he was into meditation he yeah. said let's all go to india for a, a meditation course and get centered again. Ringo Starr left after 10 days. He couldn't He couldn't handle the food I love there. It. Yeah. Paul McCartney, he grew bored and left about a month later. And then Lennon and Harrison stayed there for a very long time uh, just because they wanted to kind of soak it all in. Yeah, until they found out this Maharaji was a pretty bad dude. Or was he? Because was he not? The person that told him that was not exactly reputable. It was this guy named Magic Alex who was known to be a con man and say things to get his way oh really so okay it, it could have been a big misunderstanding regardless i think it's a good thing they all left yes because this is a bad time but they didn't know what to do with themselves they were not businessmen they were performers right. so they ended up find uh founding this company called apple core which is not related to apple so you guys can stop your oh you're both pledging allegiance right now i said apple i'm what? sorry what <laughs> but it's not that apple it's the other app come on <laughs> But that they were going to take care of all the business side. And to this day, they still control all the Beatles' intellectual properties. Uh, and they recorded the White Album, which, Kent, I have to say, I, I mentioned, I said it was uh, overrated on the on Bacon Cell before. But the White Album, to me, is what happens when you don't have someone saying, don't add this track in, don't add this track in, only use your strongest tracks. Because it is a bunch of B-sides. Uh, come on, the, the, the White Album is the peak Beatles. No. Oh, sorry, sorry, I misspoke. 
The White Album is the peak of what's wrong with the Beatles. <laughs> Hold on for a second, though, because we all knew going into this, okay, I'm at the White Album. What are going to be my thoughts? I have low expectations here, and that's fine. So I'm listening. First half of the album, I'm like, you know what? There's some real bangers on here because there's some of their most popular songs there. And I'm like, this is going great. This is amazing. And then I get to the second half. I'm going to stop there because I don't want to say anything negative. Birthday's on there. Birthday's on there. It's open track. Obla D, Back in the USSR. Helter Skelter. That's like arguably the first metal song. Oh, I feel like killing somebody right now. Oh, take it easy. (laughs) But yeah, that second side of the White Album is an absolute disaster. Well, because usually what they do, they go in and jam together, Mm -hmm. and then they pick the best hits. This felt like they jammed together, and they were having a real rough time, like you said, Kent. Ringo Starr left for two weeks. He quit. And this is when John Lennon and McCartney, uh, Paul McCartney had a falling out. Paul plays the drums. This is when Yoko Ono comes in. Uh, And Yoko Ono, uh, if you don't know... What do we get? Number nine. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't know who Yoko Ono is, she's John Lennon's girlfriend. Like, I swear, I don't know if this was a trope before the Beatles happened. But you've seen this in a dozen TV shows and movies where it's like the band gets together. Everyone has a great time. Then one of them gets a girlfriend. She starts calling the shots and kind of interfering. She's such a Yoko. One of them gets an ego and then they all break up. And that happens all the time. But I think this is one of the first times it happened in real life in that way. Armchair jury. I just think John, he just seems like such a sensitive person. And obviously the greener grass messed with him. I think he's codependent. And I think that's kind of yeah. what happened with Yoko. And he, they, they It's had, something he had with Paul. Yes. And, and she even she said... Like when things started to go poorly, he treated me like the rest of the Beatles because he needed that connection. Yeah. And this like they had a kind of a standing rule of like no girlfriends or wives in the studio. It's just us. Let's do this. But he'd bring her to all the things. She just sit on the amplifier. And if you watch Get Back, you're annoyed at her being in the studio. Not well, her singing. Zach, I don't know if you ever heard Yoko Oda's. Yeah, it is. I heard I heard the Bare Naked Ladies song. (laughs) You can be my Yoko. I love that song. But hearing her sing, quote unquote, she basically yells into a microphone and she doesn't do much from what I saw other than be there. And I think she's just kind of that, you know, parrot on John's shoulder. There's a wonderful clip that goes around social media every couple of years of uh, John Lennon performing with Chuck Berry. And they're doing great because these are two these are legends, legends, right? And Yoko is also there. And she's got a microphone and Lennon and, and Chuck Berry are doing their thing and it's great. And she just decides to butt in with her tambourine and just going screaming. He's like, oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh. And they literally cut her mic. Oh, like Chuck Berry looks mad, looks yeah. through the side. Great. And suddenly her mic's gone. So you can see her mouthing stuff, but you can't hear her anymore. I need and to watch this. It's, it's really good. I've seen that, too. Uh, and like, for well, for example, John and Yoko were, were in a car accident. Yeah. And, and John, John was injured, but was able to come back to the studio. And Yoko was asked, told by the doctor she needed to do bed rest. So John literally had a bed installed in the studio. So she would lay there as they recorded. Wow. Now, it, it could be he just wanted to be around his wife, make sure she was okay. Sure. But also... It sounds like I mean, a security blanket. A little codependency sort of there, yeah. I think, yeah. And then you get kind of their, their final era, which is when they were recording the Get Back album, which mm-hmm. then turned into Let It Be. Now, Let It Be was their final album release. But recorded first. Abby, but it was, it was recorded, recorded before, Abbey, before Road. Abbey Road. Yes. Yeah. That's so weird. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird it, how that worked out. It was mixed up in a film as well, and so they kind of spaced it out differently. Okay. Yeah. So Abbey Road is their last recorded album. Yes. Let It Be is their last released album. Correct. Basically, yeah, they went back. So it's like if we did an episode of Bacon Cell and we kind of did, oh, that was good. Uh, Kent's got to add in all the stuff in post. And then Kent waited for a while. We did another episode, released mm-hmm. that one. And then Kent finally did the post on the other one. We put it out. Exactly. Okay. So, yeah. As they're recording it, if you watch the documentary Get Back by Peter Jackson on Disney+, Plus, it's long and mm-hmm. it's a lot of jam sessions, but you see them kind of just falling apart. 
Yeah. And their final live performance together ever was they decided to do it on the rooftop of the Apple Corpse building. Iconic. In London. And they go up there and just do these songs and get shut down by the police. It's kind yeah, of fun to perfect. watch. But uh, and then their last actual recording where all four Beatles were recording together was in August 1969. where They mixed and completed uh, I Want You, She's So Heavy, which I don't really like that song. So I feel kind of sad it almost goes somewhere until she's so heavy. Hey, we'll talk about it here soon. Okay. Oh, okay. Perfect. <laughs> and then shortly after that, so that was August. In September, Lennon announced he was quitting the Beatles. And he was gonna, but he was going to hold off on announcing well, it until they released Abbey Road. Tonight. And it was interesting because or, Paul McCartney, he was having some issues. And he is, I would say, kind of a micromanager for the band. At this point, yes. I think he was desperately trying to keep things together. And, until he just lost it. Like, he got really impatient with George Harrison. Him and Ringo were always buddies. <laughs> Ringo yeah. is just he's, everyone's he's best friend. happy to be there. And, but John Lennon and uh, McCartney, they would often you know, start talking in public. And this was after the fact as well about the ownership of some songs and McCartney just couldn't handle it anymore. So he's the one that filed for dissolution of the band the last day of December, 1970. Lennon didn't actually sign the paperwork until four years later at Disney world. Yeah. But, Oh yeah. Oh, and Paul, he was also one of the reasons he quit the band was he was, uh, one of his songs, Long and Winding Road, mm-hmm. they added in a bunch of orchestration in it, which yeah, Phil Spector did, which he did not like. Not a good version. And so he he tried to get him to change it. They wouldn't. So he left in April 1970 and then dissolved the band in, yeah. in December, or tried to dissolve the band and, in December And obviously when a band like that breaks up, that's a decade. And what this band did, and this is why we're talking about them today. Yeah. The songs that they put out. In a decade. In a decade. Less than six, a decade. 63 to 70. Are incredible. And so everyone is like, hey get back together. Will you guys get back together? And so there's a promoter named Bill Sargent. He's like, hey guys, do one concert. I'll give you $10 million. The Beatles, broken up at that time, said, no, 30 million. No, 50 million for a reunion concert. The hurt feelings were too much. There's also an episode of Saturday Night Live mm-hmm. when Lorne Michaels on the air, because, uh, you know, it's filmed live. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just said uh, he was doing it. It was a joke. It was a sketch. And he said, like, if the Beatles come here and perform on Saturday Night Live, I will give them $3,000, like kind of as a joke. John Lennon and Paul McCartney were literally watching the episode and they were within driving distance of the studio. And they went, I wonder if we should do that. Like they almost went, but they're like, oh, I'd have to put my shoes on. Yeah. You know, which would have been funny. Yeah. And then they all went their separate ways. George uh, quit a couple times too as well. He yeah. was not happy near the end there. He said once he went to India, when he came back, it felt like regression. He did not like coming back. He wanted to do the other stuff. I do feel like his songwriting skills grew after India for some reason. Sometimes. Oh, I think absolutely. You really don't like George Harrison. Uh, I was. I didn't know how much I didn't like his music. I don't. I, him as a person, I don't. You know, fine. But. See, I love the history <laughs> between he and Clapton. I think there's a lot of influence there between the two friends. Yeah, sometimes frenemies. So they went their separate ways. They had their solo careers, mm-hmm. uh, for better for worse. Uh, some people like their solo stuff. Some people don't. Uh, but it was never as good as them as a whole. And, and sadly, and this is a little more a little more sad here on Bacon Cell, but uh, in December 1980, John Lennon was shot and killed outside his New York City apartment by Mark David Chapman. Mm-hmm. And from everything I read, John was nothing but nice to him. Signed signed a record album for him. Chapman him actually said he was so nice. He's like, yeah. hey, do you need another signature? Are you but good? He, he basically killed him because he just wasn't right in the head. And he started going into the hypocrisy of celebrities. Yes. Because John Lennon would sing about giving up all your possessions. But he lived a very lavish lifestyle, yes. obviously. Yeah. And so he was upset. Especially he said, oh, you know. And also with the comment about being more popular than Jesus. He had totally. issues with that as well. But yeah, I mean, he's still in jail. Mark David Chapman is. And, and he's been denied parole like 12 times. But yeah. So John Lennon was sadly killed. And it was right after one of his albums came out with, I believe, Imagine on it, if I remember mm-hmm. right. And that kind of launched that album into kind of... 
super status after that. I couldn't imagine, granted this was 10 years after the mega popularity of the Beatles, but what it would have been like to be alive at that time and, and conscious yeah. of oh, that death. And uh, I remember it was actually uh, Howard Cosell during a... Oh, Howard Cosell. It was an NFL broadcast. Monday Night Football. They actually broke the news on, on Monday Night Football that it happened. Yeah. Like, as, as they were announcing a game, like they paused yeah. the announcement. Wow. I've heard that clip. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's surreal. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually been to the location uh, where he passed away. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, in New York. And it was just one of those kind of kind of eerie, not eerie, but like this sad. It was a sad atmosphere. Yeah. And then also, um, well, before uh, George Harrison died of lung cancer, because he died of lung cancer in 2001, I wanted to talk about the fact that in 1989, they finally ended the lawsuit and were able to do the whole anthology project and they got to work together and use some of John's old uh, vocal tracks mm-hmm. to make new songs uh, like Real Love and Free as a Bird, which I actually really enjoyed as, as Beatles songs. Uh, but then, yeah, George Harrison passed away. And that just leaves Paul and uh, Ringo out there uh, doing whatever they're doing still. And it, it yeah. seems like time heals all wounds. Obviously, obviously, death is going to get in the way of that. But like even in 1988, they were all accepted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, in their first year of eligibility, they yeah. got put in there. And Paul said, I can't go. I can't fake a smile. Like the feelings are still too fresh. Because that was thing. They were still tied up in all the legal stuff yeah. of song rights. But then you have George Harrison's death, like you said, in 2001. And they were like, guys, come on. And obviously, Anthology, they worked together. Yeah. But they did a huge tribute for George Harrison. Yeah. But all that was left was the guy in charge and everybody's pet, Ringo. (laughs) Well, and Eric Clapton and all these amazing musicians at the time. They did a good little tribute there. At that point, there were new albums. Like there was was one, right? With all their number one hits, that thing sold incredibly well in the year 2000. And it just kept going. And then streaming, they had some issues with the streaming wars and everything yeah. like that. Took them forever to get on Apple Music. Yeah, yeah especially again, because the Apple Core thing and then Apple Music. Apple, mm-hmm. I was going to say Apple Music actually sued them about the name. Yeah. Or they sued them. And then lawsuit. finally in 2015, they released their music on Spotify and Apple Music. And then once again, Beatles resurgence. Yeah. But I do feel like uh, even with that and the documentary in 2016 and mm-hmm. the Get Back in 2021, that it didn't quite hit the heights that Anthology did. Right. And so... I don't know. Well, that was I, Destination I, TV. Yeah. I think streaming is a little bit different. It is. But I just, you know, I wonder if the anti-Beatles sentiment can be turned, if people can turn their hearts to the Beatles, <laughs> or if yeah. this is just going to be, you know, one of those things where, yeah, yeah, they'll be good and they'll always be, you have those records, but they're not going to be as popular as they ever were. I think over time, their influences felt less and less. Do you feel like there will be a phase, though, where people go, uh, by the way, it's funny. these guys invented hooks. It's, so. it's funny because I think that the phase comes from uh, the young, uh, impressionable, and the hipster amongst okay. people, which is hilarious because, as you guys know, like you talked about, Kent, you wouldn't have been a fan back in the day because they they were the biggest thing. True. Yeah. So it's just kind of ironic that this is popular as a sort of a alternative yeah. The biggest thing ever for a while is alternative. <laughs> and I think now. that's where the animosity comes in. I think it's a lot of the Kent vibe where people go, oh, everyone says they're the best, and but they're not. And then you go, okay, who's the most influential band of all time? And they go, Rolling Stones? I looked at some, you know that website Ranker, where yeah. people yeah. you know just kind of vote for stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if you go in and search uh, worst Beatles songs on Ranker, you know what the number one on that list is? Hey, Jude? None. <laughs> and that is not... Possible. It's none. None is the number one option. It's not. I love that. It's not because we're going to talk about some now. Of course. Yeah. So we have, as we do on these tribute shows, we have our bottom five Beatles songs. Uh, and then we're going to do some little honorable mention awards in the middle. And then we're going to do our top five Beatles songs. And you guys, this was not easy for me. No. 
Bottom five, maybe a little easier, but even then I struggled. Well, because you want to include songs in the playlist that we're creating for the listener. On Spotify, you can find our Beatles, Bake and Sell Beatles playlist. Obviously, Spotify. we don't want to duplicate each other's answers very much because we want it to be a pretty extensive playlist of their yes. discography. But also, it's like, well, this is my sixth favorite, and I'm not including it on a playlist of my favorite songs. I know. It feels wrong. It does feel wrong. I stress about this for three days. I'm still stressing about it. Ken, I'm, and Zach, I'm not, and listener, I'm not kidding when I say I limited myself to 40 honorable mentions. (laughs) I went to 40 and I went, I got to stop adding songs here. And I'm not going to read them all here. I I just know that I have 40 songs. You can see them on my notes. If you're a patron, I'll drop these notes in there. You can see all 40 of my honorable mentions. I'm making a prediction. We're not going to do best quite yet. You and I have maybe one or two crossover favorites. And I like that because that gives more variety. Yes. Zach, I I think you and I will be more aligned. I struggled to get five that I liked. Wow. Go on. I know you have I'm to just over that, here quiet. Right? I've been over here quiet. I don't like the Beatles. I can't bring I, you down. I'm too happy. I hated this challenge <laughs> so much. You didn't even gain a new appreciation for it? I, I hate them more. Oh, good. I really do. Wait, really? They, do not ever listen to We were just rambling for an hour do about not this. Do not ever listen to their albums through. You will hate yourself and your Would life. Would you say listen Not to true. Grace has come. I yes. love my hundred percent. I love you guys. I love this challenge. One hundred percent. I love listen. It too. Listen to compilation albums. That's the way to do it, right? Because it, it cuts out the fat. We're going to talk about a lot of the fat here. Literally, I'm going to tell you a personal story. Okay. Two, two days ago, I'm at home. My my wife is at work. Mm-hmm. I've got my baby, who I'm, I'm I love very much. Yeah. And I'm making dinner, and I'm listening to probably Magical Mystery Tour. Mm-hmm. And underrated album, by the way, uh, I disagree. And, and I'm going through, maybe, maybe it was what's after that. The white, white album might've been the white album. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going along, I'm boiling noodles and the baby's getting a little fussy and I want to scream at my child. And I'm like, why am I so angry? Oh, I've been playing Beatles on the Google, the speaker this whole time. I turn it off instantly. My mood gets better. Hey, just there is some nonsense. Show me on the doll where the benefit of Mr. Kite hurt you. (laughs) It's horrible. But that said, so I go through and I listen to the albums. Mm -hmm. It's one of the most miserable experiences I've ever had. Stop it, Zach. Captain Hyperbole. (laughs) But when you go through and you listen to the compilation albums and the anthologies and even past masters, yeah, it's so much more enjoyable. So I think a lot of what? See, and I, I, I like listening to the entire albums because to me that gave me the flavor. Like, I've always known Beatles songs as Beatles songs. Yes. Listening to the albums gave me a flavor of each album. And I, I was understand like, oh, that. Oh, okay. You, you even admitted yourself that you prefer the missionary image of the Beatles. You, you, I think you've put a filter. <laughs> I like that. You put a filter <laughs> can't have of the first th- two, two, three years of the Beatles over their entire career. And that's no, just simply they get false. shaggy near the end. Their hair just gets longer and longer. And their music gets more experimental it and does. weird and, and in many cases better and worse. Yes. Right. And so absolutely. I think what I tried yeah. to do with my top five is I tried to eliminate some of the, I mean, there, there are a lot of tracks that are sub one minute mm-hmm. and they're like, wh- wh- why did that actually make it onto the track? Right. I tried to eliminate a lot of those. I do have one example. Um, but overall for me, I cannot recommend listening to the Beatles all the way through. So if you like them, go to Spotify and do Beatles essentials or the, the bacon sale playlist that you're going to have here because uh, it's it's a difficult listening experience, to say the least. I would totally disagree because I had so much fun listening to it and playing it in my house 24-7 for the past couple weeks. As a gateway, you're right. But then also get into the albums after that because it's a whole experience. Granted, I would even say the the low points on albums, there were some songs I was like, this is the most redundant two minutes I've ever experienced. Two, you mean the most redundant eight minutes at times? Well, that, that'll happen as well. 
But, you know, the early stuff was just two minutes. But then I was like, because this is like so mediocre, the good songs are so good. When, really yeah, when there's they, something about them. Yeah. Shines. My dad gets really annoyed with modern day music because it said it's all unison fuzz is what he calls it. Everything's doing in unison. Whereas the Beatles, you do have everyone in, is playing a different instrument and everyone's playing a different mm. rhythm and a different note. Like there's there's things that are complementing each other in almost every song where the rhythm guitar is doing one thing, the lead guitar is doing another and mm. bass is doing another. Where I did find an over uh, an overuse of multi-track layering of the voices early on, especially. Mm-hmm. I felt like they tried to make it sound like there were 10 people singing at once. Yeah. It did become bothersome. And I noticed a, a significant decrease in that in Rubber Soul. That's why I started liking it much better. Like you, it. Hear, you heard more singular voices, um, which I appreciated. But well, probably because they were more divided and they were recording separately. Yeah, there's some time. songs where some Beatles just didn't, some of them didn't work on the song yeah. at all. And I was actually looking, there's lots of examples of, you know, you, uh, Paul played the bass, except for on a lot of songs, especially <laughs> okay. the ones that he's singing. It's crazy. So now I'm worried about hearing your worst songs because I feel like, that once again, like the Beach Boys, they're going to be pretty good. I think my worst songs are bad. But I'm okay. tr- I tried to not be controversial. I've already said that, uh, hey, Jude, deserve to be on the worst song of songs bracket. That's, I've but already, it also deserve uh, to be on the best. I've already beat that dead horse, and I will not be talking about that yeah. today for sure. So would you like to start us off I with will your start number five? today with my number five, which has already been number talked about. Worst. On this very episode, this comes from the Abbey Road album. This is an interesting song. This riff is great. This has a cool riff. Yeah. And it really bugs me because we have this. It's like in a completely different key. It feels like a totally different song. It feels like two songs that didn't get mixed together right. It's true. And and the lyrics, literally, you've got, I want you, I want you so bad. I want you so bad. It's driving me mad, basically. And then she's so heavy. Boom. That's the entire lyrical output of this uh, it's a seven-minute song. It, I literally listened to that on the drive here, Zach. Yeah. And I kept being like, how long is this song? It just keeps how, going how and going and this? going. I think that this song is is a workshop. This is a project. This is somebody put out a riff, and it's like, we are 30% of the way to an awesome rock song. Release it. Let's just send it out. We're good. <laughs> We're good. Zach, it, we got I'm, a deadline. I, this I'm, one not, irritates, I'm not mad at that lit. This I'm one irritates me because of something that maybe I'll call it potential. I think it could be a good song. But even then, it doesn't feel like anything. There are three segments that are completely non-cohesive. This is actually, yeah. there's a better version of this in Across the Universe because it's all in the same key. <laughs> <laughs> I, Zach, I don't, I don't disagree with this pick. This, I actually don't hate this song because some parts of it I like, but I agree this is not one I put on my yes. favorites there, This has moments but it, uh, far too long, and it, it, it just feels like... And that's a Lennon one, right? This one's credited as a Lennon-McCartney. Probably Lennon. So it's <laughs> you can't just say probably. With that like sound, it's probably the, the experimental sound is Lennon. Paul McCartney got weird too. It was sung, It was the vocals are by John. Yeah, um, but it feels more John Lennon ish. But uh, that is my fifth worst All right. uh, Beatles song. I I will skip it every time. Yeah, Kent. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna play Zach. This is from Abbey Road, which came out in 1969. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wow. This is considered by many. Come Together is considered by many to be one of the best Beatles songs. Oh, gross. I hate this song. Always what? have. I find it hard to listen to, and it's cool to go. There's nothing to this song. It never builds. There's no bridge. It never goes Can't anywhere there. Riff. Come Together. Right now. 17 times. It's I, it doesn't go. Don't like it because it's so... 
tedious and tired. And this was actually a song that John Lennon wrote for this psychologist named Timothy Leary, who is a very strong advocate for uh, fungus. And, <laughs> and it was also... Greener, greener grass. Yeah, greener grass. <laughs> it was a riff on Chuck Berry's You Can't Catch Me. And basically McCartney's like, hey, we're kind of copied him, so let's slow it down. It's just too slow, too boring. It's a campaign song. I know I just said this, but the version that's in Across the Universe is sung by Joe Cocker. It's better. It is. But it, uh, that's, a, that's a hot take. Michael Jackson did a version too. I didn't like that either. Really? Yeah. I like that version too. Yeah. Oh my Sorry. I like Sorry. I know that's my hot take. That, that is a, that's a very that's a spicy take. take. Yeah. I, I get where you're coming you from. You may get more anger about Zach's last I, I might. But uh, so in my high school, this was like the call and answer. You could walk down the hall and just be like, come together right now and not say anything. And somebody across the school oh. would be like, over me. That's a weird school. It was a weird school. <laughs> we were nerds. Yeah. Joel, what's your fifth? Um, it should come as no surprise at this point that I'm going to pick something by George Harrison. Why? Only a northern song from Yellow Submarine. Those horns. Those horns have been nailed on a chalkboard since I was a kid. And this this was on the Yellow Submarine. It's written by George Harrison. Let me yell at a baby. Uh, but this is this was one where he wrote this song because he was dissatisfied that he was considered a junior songwriter for the Beatles publishing company Northern Songs Mm -hmm. and this is saying just only Northern Songs so even though he wrote the song he was getting like a penny on the dollar for this song Lennon McCartney were getting the lion's share they were getting like Mm -hmm. 15% and then he was getting like 0.8% him and Ringo were so it seemed like an angry anthem for him it is but he says things like you know it doesn't matter what chords I play what words I say or what time of day it is as it's only Northern Song once again I feel like like 20 percent at the beginning i'm like oh this could be cool this is psychedelic and then it turns into noise yeah and it really is that the cacophony of of just horns that really drives me it gets under my skin on this one. Oh, i totally agree but i i don't know this just is not one that resonates with me and uh, george martin agrees he said that it was his least favorite song of harrison's all right so yeah oh and the, it says the band were similarly unenthusiastic this yeah. is not one of his big ones. i believe it zach what's your number four my number four comes from 1966 revolver Fair. This is, I, I feel like India Ruben Beatles. And when they started incorporating a lot of those Indian sounds, which I, don't get me wrong, I, I like a lot of Indian music. I just, it, it's not Beatles. It's not. Well, it is. It right. is so Beatles. But it doesn't but feel like Beatles to me. It, ju- it feels it like it just India becomes something Beatles. I don't, I don't like. This is Tomorrow Never Knows. Yeah. And it, it becomes this. Wasn't Michelle Yeoh in that? <laughs> It becomes this cacophony of nonsense, yeah. which is so many of the songs. But I, I just I'm I'm going through it, and I would just uh, I had it you know Spotify on my phone, and I just immediately picked up my phone and screenshotted it, being like, I need to remember this for the show. I hate this song. I think there were bands that took that style and did it better, but were influenced by the Beatles. Yeah, but yeah, it's a dark period. For no, it wasn't even that one again, Zach. Tomorrow never knows. Yeah, that was in. I actually had that as one almost one. Of my Tomorrow never knows. <laughs> All right, we're going back to 1963 for my number four, and Worst. this is the album with the Beatles. Oh come on! I want to be your man. I want to be your lover, baby. I want to be your man. Where is my mind? Oh, we're talking about lyrics that may not make sense, but they're still good. Oh, at least that's a song. This is that's two lyrics, and it's I want to be your man. It's two minutes. It's written by. Uh, this one's written mostly by Paul. And they were hanging out with Keith, uh, Keith Richards and Mick Jagger in a club. And they're like, guys, we're just going to play this song. And that's all they had. But it's two minutes of the same lyric. This one was early on. I go, yep, I don't know if I like early Beatles. But this one was one of the pinnacle moments where I was like, 
can't do this it. anymore. I love that one. You love that song? It's so fun. Oh, it's so basic. It's not about the lyrics. Like, can you know this from watching uh, all the stuff is that Beatles are music first, lyrics second. Yeah, but it's the same beat over and over again, right? It's music. great, though. Okay. I enjoy that one. Yeah. Sorry, I'm... Coming out strong, I guess. You guys Jeez. should really just pick, you know, bad songs. Like I, I did, I did. Like this one by George Harrison. No. What's this one called? Within you, without you. It's not good. This is from Sgt. Pepper's Only Heart Club Band by George Harrison. It's five minutes long, and this is done in the style of Indian music. There's, you know, tambura and deruba and tabla and all these instruments they wanted to use there. This feels like an acid trip. This one doesn't bug me as much. I don't love it, obviously. it's. I think your ears are trying to find out where the song is going. I yes. Feel, this one is less nonsensical to me. See, and I... Th- I this, agree. But I there's less say, going on. This could... This actually was going back and forth between Love You Too and Within Without You, both by oh, George I Harrison. Oh, I hate Love You Too. But in the end, this kind of resembles all the sitar... George Harrison music. Sure. None of those. So it's really representative because I don't think it's in their five worst. I I do like yeah. any, any of those come on. I'm kind of like and skip. Okay. What album was that on? That's on Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Should we jump forward one album for something very similar? George Harrison song again. Or George uh, Blue Jay Way. Yeah. So a little bit less Indian sounding, but still just it's the warbling it, voice. I'm not a fan. What 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 are we doing here, guys? It's, it's not it's, good. No, it's not a good one. And that's yeah. But that yeah, was on so Magical Mystery Tour. Blue Blue Jay Way, Magical Mystery Tour, nineteen sixty seven. That was in um, that was in the the movie, the Magical Mystery Tour made for yes. TV movie, and it's the kind of a scary part of the movie. Oh, okay. Maybe I'll watch that and like it a little bit <laughs> not, more. Not good scary. Oh, okay. Kent, what's your number three? I'm not gonna make you guys hear it again because we have heard it already, and that's enough. But it's only a northern song. Yeah, written okay. by George Harrison. Well, I'm so sorry, George. <laughs> George wrote a lot of bad songs and like one but really, really good even one. Even critics, they call this a self-indulgent dirge. And I'm like, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Like I said, I like the first little bit. And I'm like, this could be a good song. Falls apart immediately. Joel, what's your number three? Uh, my number three may be their shortest song, but it's still too long. Honey pie. Honey pie. Okay. Wild Honey Pie I, from the White Album. I feel like. This is, you know, in some video games, when you get like hit and there's like a wah, wah, snap, like that's this, but a song. Well, and this is, this is Paul McCartney. It's a TikTok trippy. sound effect. Yeah. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. This is Paul McCartney's doing. This isn't mm-hmm. John Lennon, but it sounds like a John Lennon song, but it's just that you can't honey, just say that if it is Paul McCartney, it though. It sounds like a John Lennon song. <laughs> it's uh, Paul singing. just him singing that same thing over and over again. And this John Lennon and Ringo were actually working on other songs and mm-hmm. George Harrison was on a holiday in Greece. This was just Paul himself goofing around. And it's between Obla D and Obla D Obla Da and the continuing story of Bungalow Bill. And so yeah. it's like those two songs are both I, Obla D Obla Da is like high oh, in yeah. regard. Bungalow Bill's fine. But this kind of is this weird bridge between the two of them. And they weren't going to include it. There oh. is actually just them wow. goofing around. But then Patty Boyd, uh, George Harrison's wife. So I'm blaming this one on George Harrison again. <laughs> even though Paul said, sang it. Even, even though Paul sang it and, <laughs> and, and wrote it and, and everything. It wasn't, and uh, I was going to say George wasn't even there. He was in Greece. But his wife liked it so much they decided to leave it on the album. I mean, at least it's short. It's 52 seconds long, but... Blah. Oh, jeez. Wild Honey Pie, not a fan. Dishonorable mention to Honey Pie, which is also a terrible song. Not great. But uh, this is my number two. Honey <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Wow. We got to hear it again. <laughs> this is... It, this is only 52 seconds long, and yet it's one of their longest songs. And they have a bunch of eight-minute garbage songs, too. I... 
hated this so yeah. much. Like I said, I feel like I got. I'm glad we're putting these at the bottom of our Spotify playlist because yeah. then people can be like, oh, we shouldn't even put I'm them so there. glad we overlapped as well because yes. yeah. one less bad one less song, bad on, song there, on our playlist. But, oh, you can find them on our social media channels or at baconcell.com. Kent, what's your number two? Mine is the White Album. <laughs> Just the entire, the entire White Album. There's some good <laughs> songs on actually, there. The second side B of the White Album is not good for me. And so this one is from that. It's from 1968. And this is a Paul McCartney song. Why don't we do oh. it in the road? So Paul McCartney was on Safari and he saw some monkeys in and animals enjoying each other company. They, yeah. uh, they, they were elsewhere. We they can were say elsewhere. That. Yes, from the thirteenth yeah. show. The, the, not the monkeys, the the TV monkeys. <laughs> hey, hey, <laughs> they're the monkeys, but actual monkeys being elsewhere. And he goes, "Hey, animals are just." So deep that they can just be monkeys and maybe so unashamed. Humans can be that way too. So he wrote this song. He recorded by himself. And John Lennon held a grudge forever about this song. John Lennon hated this song. Really? Yeah. So basically, Paul went in with Ringo and said, "Hey, let's just do the song real quick." And so basically, John Lennon, and George Harrison, they were hurt by this. So they're kind of like taking sides. And this was late Beatles, so they were already divided at that point. Yeah. He said that Paul did that a lot, whereas. He goes, I, I never did that. I never went to the studio. Whereas Paul McCartney years after was like, look, I know I'm seen as the mean one. Paul McCartney kind of knew it because John Lennon was like the peaceful, nice one. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I'll own that. But we all did that. We all went to the studio, made well, our songs. Someone had to be the dad. Someone had to be the grown-up. No, no. Oh, you can be the dad, but you just made an atrocity. Oh, no. I meant, I meant just the controlling it. Oh, aspect. absolutely. Yeah. Dad, yeah. yeah, don't do that. This dad. is a low point for Paul McCartney. It's my number two. There's only two lines in the whole song. Yeah, I would agree. Why don't we do it in the road? And they're probably just talking about, you know, basket weeping. Or uh, I, was, yeah, I was thinking in it's the a, road. It's a prequel to Dancing in the Street. Yeah. Why yeah. don't you dance oh. in the road? Yeah, yeah okay. dancing. It led to something great. Dancing. Sure. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> Zach, you and I are in sync because this is my number two. Blue Jays. You don't have to play it again. We're fine. This is another part. But, like, honestly, this sounds like two terrible songs sloppily stitched together by a sad drunk. Playing at the same time. <laughs> yes. It's creepy and not in a good way. This is... And he wrote this, actually. It's, it's named after a, a, a street in the Hollywood Hills. And it's about uh, the someone trying to find their way to Blue Jay Way through the fog-ridden hills. And he wrote it while he was jet-lagged, which I think you can obviously tell. Mm-hmm. This is not a good song. I didn't like it in the movie Magical Mystery Tour. I didn't like it on the album Magical Mystery Tour. I don't like Blue Jay Way bad. by George Harrison. So, Zach, you're at number one. I'm at number and, one. And I don't know if you're going to share mine and Joel's number one. If we don't all pick the number one, I'm going to be very confused because there's an obvious winner for Because a worse only song. one person needs to play this song, but if you play a different one, I think I'll be a little I knew for a fact which one you were choosing, so I chose something else. Okay. Then what is yours? To me, this is the most grating song. Uh, I may have ever heard. I have negative uh, connotations from it from when I was in school. I'm Anytime so it worried. pops up, I skip it. it. This is one of the most annoying songs I've ever heard. I'm so worried. Oh, no. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I hate <laughs> this song. Summary. I'm so glad you, you chose about this. Earworm. I love More this song. More like irritating so. worm. I was oh, happy. Yeah. So I'm listening to this, driving around with my daughters, and this song came on. And my daughters were making fun of me the entire week. Dad, why are you listening to the Beatles? This song came on. My youngest started singing it too. I'm like, you know, Yellow Submarine. I haven't really exposed you to this. She goes, Dad, beat bugs. 
Beat bugs. <laughs> Which is a horrible cartoon. Yeah. But they sing the song a lot. Always, the kids always sang it when we were on the bus on field trips because we were in the yellow I submarine. I can't believe Zach, I, I understand you put in that maybe if you thought it was annoying, but your number one after after all the other ones that we've talked about. I think because the, the popularity, it is ever present in culture. Blue Jay Way doesn't get stuck in my head. Not even your guys' choice gets stuck in my head. Not even yep. when you're, you know, half awake and half asleep yeah. and you see shadow people on the wall. Maybe I want you, she's so heavy, get stuck in my head. But they're so nonsensical that I listen to them and I'm mad and I turn them off and it's gone. Yellow Submarine sticks with you forever. Is and it the so earworm of all earworms? It is the worst earworm. Save for our earworm show. For, for me. Zach, I, it, it just Ringo's voice. Is it their worst song? No. Wait, Russell Crowe's <laughs> That's a great pick. That is I, an absolute that is not pick. a great pick. I understand it, but I don't agree with it. But I, Joel, but I'm fine. I'm happy. I'm having a good time. Let's the, and and I fully admit you knew you are going to pick. play the worst song. Joel, please maybe play of all time the worst Beatles song. But which part of it? Oh, the, any uh, part pick, you like. Pick, there's eight minutes to pick. Nine. This is Revolution 9 from the White Album. Credited to Lennon-McCartney, but pri- created primarily by John Lennon with assistance from Yoko Ono and, yes, George Harrison. This part you're playing right now is almost the quality of, like, a good Moby song because it gets worse and worse and worse as time goes on. You know, it's fun. I listened to Revolution 1, mm-hmm. and that was kind of... It's a bluesy version of Revolution, and yeah. I was like, oh, I actually kind of like this. And, and I forgot. I was like... If they've, I, I'm on a good streak with Revolution One. So Revolution Nine could be cool. Well, you guys, when we when we started discussing the Beatles show and we started saying, "Hey, we're going to do our top five and bottom five, yeah. Immediately, I knew my number one bottom. Oh, of course, it's, it's the worst song because every time this comes on, I hear number nine, number nine, and it's not a song. This is a, a an annoying it, experiment. Number nine came from the producer, like calling things out as they're recording, and John Lennon's like, "I like that. He, I'm trying to paint a picture of Revolution using sound." And so he just added sound. Well, and this it used to nowhere. be this used to be like a six minute ending yeah. to Revolution, which would have ruined that song. They uh, do that a lot, they but do. then he added in like overdubs and, and loops and sound effects, and they're like doing echoes and distortion and fading. It's, it's almost like you can't really count this as a actual song, right? No, no. But considering they waste so much time on an album for eight this, minutes over eight minutes, and it capitalizes on the white album and kind of. Just, I would say, not that it's an amazing thing, but it taints the entire experience. Not to mention that Charles mentioned mentioned Revolution 9 more often than any other album tracks by the Beatles. He uh, thought Charles it was, Manson? Charles Manson. Uh, Helter Skelter, anyone? This is more Piggies. than that. This is more Piggies than that. too, yeah. You're right. Say, those are the three songs he mentioned, but he mentioned this one the most. He said there's a parallel of Chapter 9 in the Book of Revelation. That's what he thought it meant. Okay. And helped him um, go a little more crazy, shall we sure. say. Sure, yeah. So serial killers like this song. I don't. <laughs> So if you like this song, you're probably a serial killer. <laughs> serial killers like the Beatles. There you go. Revolution so, number nine. Yeah, I could finger boop on that. Okay. On the choice. On the, yeah. Okay. On the choice. So there's our worst. All right. Before we get to our top picks, we're going to take a little break here and offer some awards. These are songs that didn't necessarily get picked for the top five or bottom five, but they deserve recognition. And we're going to have itty bitty, bitty little trophies made for them. Yeah. Uh, Joel, why don't you start our awards ceremony? Oh, certainly. I'm going to start this one with a very early Beatles song, and I'm giving this the So Dang Cute and Innocent Award. Aww. Oh, yeah. Tell you something. I, I want to hold your hand. Oh, my gosh. That is so cute and innocent. And I imagine these little 15-year-old boys being like, I want to hold your hand. And all the girls scream. Oh, it's so cute. 
This was on Meet. It is so cute. This was on Meet the Beatles in the U.S. Uh, That was not a U.K. release, and it's a John Lennon Paul McCartney song. This would have gone to the straight to the top of the charts, but it was blocked by "She Loves You," another Beatles song. Mm. Uh, This uh, this is the group's first number one hit on the Billboard Hot 100, and it became the best-selling single worldwide, selling more than 12 million copies. There's also a German version. Which is fun to listen to. I, I, I heard that on Past Masters. I'm like, wait a minute, this yeah. is yeah. this is German. That's they didn't, weird. They didn't want to do it. Uh, oh sure, but they were kind of forced into it. They said, That's the only way we're going to get in the German. But market. their roots are in Germany as well. So yeah. why you, not? You will sing that thing you do well, in Spanish. And this is also the song that like not only was it played. Um, there were, well, there was going to be performing it on the Ed Sullivan Show. They were going to do it, but this 14 year old fan or 15 year old girl uh, of the Beatles named Marcia Albert, she wanted to hear it on the radio earlier. She wrote her local DJ and said, "We have this music over." Listen to this song. They have this over in England. Why don't they have it here? So she so, wrote a little letter and she mailed it to her local DJ. <laughs> yeah. So this is rocking little. Okay. Cool. Oh, my Jackie boy. Uh, but no, the DJ said uh, he actually pulled some strings, got the album, and he said, if you can come down to the station, I'll let you introduce this. So little Marsha cool. Albert was the one to, to introduce the, well, Washington, D.C. to the Beatles with yeah. that song. And Brian Wilson flipped when he heard it. Oh, yeah. Said, he thought it was so cool. And he was worried about the future of the Beach Boys. Well, he should have been. But because of Mike Love, my first award is Across the Universe did it better. <gasps> Most of Oh, you like the TV carpel version? Did it better? I'm looking at you, Joel. Hey, wait, is this, is this Across the Universe or is this Always Extraordinary Playlist? Doesn't matter. It's so much Not that I have anything better. against that show. I want to hold your hand. I specifically noted while uh, I was watching this movie, I said I, I really liked this version, and I think it showed that I want to hold your hand is a good song because it was slowed down and it's still really and, good. And really, that's why I chose this because the one I sing when I think of Across the Universe is Hold Me Tight. I love, love that one. I just love uh, it's Evan Rachel Wood who sings that one. It's a very doo wop version, but uh, yeah. female centric. But the one that makes a drastic change is I want to hold your hand. Yes. And it makes it really beautiful. I think it needs to be slowed down. And I do think it's so cute. And I love the Beatles version. I just think it's a superior version slowed down. And I know that sounds wrong to say a cover by some almost no name is better. But I think the variety eh, you can't makes it me better. Down. I'm still going good. I'm still on the No, good, side. good. I'm not here to bring you down, Joel. I'm not here to bring you down. Don't bring me down. <laughs> well, in a similar vein to mm-hmm. yours, Kent. So you had better in Across the Universe. Um, I actually am just calling this best Beatles cover. Okay. What the, the, we're adding we're doing a Beatles playlist. <laughs> yeah. But I love it because it's, you know, as it's long as we're good. acknowledging people love Beatles music, I'm yeah. happy. What would you do <laughs> Hey! This was on our <laughs> other show. He was. Would you stand yeah, this up is, uh, this is from the Wonder Years, guys. This is, uh, with a little help from my friends, uh, which is on Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, uh, but this Joe Cocker version, to me, is the superior version, and I think it you meant yeah you voted that yeah me too yeah it has that I remember yeah <laughs> has that added nostalgia it's great but I'm it's so good Joel uh, this next award I'm giving out here is called first one to play it wins this is birthday from the White Album a 1968 uh, mainly Paul McCartney. But this is this is honestly something they just kind of made something up. They had a riff. They decided to go with a birthday mm-hmm. song. Uh, John Lennon said it was a piece of garbage. He was not happy with it. Uh, but they you know made up on the spot. But this is the song that me, my family 
we play this for each other every single birthday. We will call each other or video call each other. Because there's licensing rights oh. with the birthday or, song. <laughs> I know. We'll email each other. It's honestly like a Rickroll at this point. Okay. Where I'll be getting up my birthday and my, and, and my brother will send me a link and it's like, oh, hey, check out this uh, this BYU play. It's really cool. And I'll click on it and I'll send... Okay, My brother has played it live for me before with his guitar. Awesome. So this is like the song, probably the most shared song of the Beatles among my family's birthday. All right. My next award is... Best use of first name basis. Beatles have a lot of love songs written to sometimes fictional women, sometimes real women. Mm -hmm. But there's so many songs written just to women. And this is my favorite. Michelle. Ma Belle. Ma Belle. I've <laughs> always loved this song. Even before, I would I would say when I worked at Laguna Beach, there was a, uh, there's a girl named Michelle that I, I didn't know what love was, but I kind of thought I was in love with her. And that made the song a little more significant for me. I totally get that. But that said, even when I was 13 years old, trying to copy what it was saying in French, thinking it was the most romantic thing. <laughs> Wait, go on. Très bien ensemble. <laughs> yeah, you did get the très bien ensemble. It's a son des manches vont très bien ensemble. And that isn't super romantic. All that means is our words that go together very well. Huh. So Michel Mabel. These are words that go together very well. They just repeat that in French. That's all it is. Say, I love you. I yeah, love you. And John Lennon added the I love you. yous, which just makes it so sweet. That's my super cute, adorable one. And I think the best dedication to a first name basis. Can't you do have childhood innocence inside you. I, there, it's in there somewhere. 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 <laughs> all right. My next song is Get Ready for Game Night. All right. We're setting up oh, the board right my now. My gosh. I We're love Senator Skatan. <laughs> <laughs> We're setting up the board now. Get your trains ready. Sort those out. Oh, wow. Because we're playing Ticket to Ride, kids. <laughs> yeah. And it's going to be great. And every time we play Ticket to Ride, I have to turn on this song. Oh, yeah. As we start rolling and we start, you know, getting through the game. I, I sing the same thing when I'm playing Transamerica. It's just I think of Ticket to Ride. So <laughs> I, I get the same song stuck in my head. Any train game, this is going to play. Yeah, of course. But does your baby care? She don't care. <laughs> Nobody's getting yelled at either. Joel? Uh, this next award is called Darkly Amusing Childhood Favorite. No, this is one of those weird no, it's, it's Animal Farm. Uh, <laughs> this is oh, actually, no, this is Maxwell Silver Hammer. I thought it was yes. Piggies. No, no, this is no. Maxwell Silver Hammer. As a kid, I remember listening to it, and I was like kind of that... Shocked and horrified, but kind of also intrigued by. Is this a song about someone who kills someone with a yeah. silver hammer? It's so happy. It's so bouncy. And it is. It's this. It's this counterpoint of like happy music with a really dark message. And I really. I don't know if this is maybe my first exposure to dark humor, but mm -hmm. kind of because I've listened to this since I was a kid. But what Paul McCartney said. This was this was Paul McCartney's baby. It was credited to Lennon McCartney, but this is definitely Paul McCartney's song. It was on Abbey Road, and this made me the song that had destroyed the Beatles. Really? Um, Paul McCartney was made them do it so many times over and over again. Ugh. Got an anvil in there. They're banging on it. Yeah. But he just wanted to get it just right, and they couldn't get it just right. And it was so annoying to all the other bandmates. They all have said this was the worst recording session they had was trying to do this stupid song. I believe it. I like the song. And Paul did describe it saying this is symbolic. The, the, the silver hammer is symbolic of the downfalls of life. He said things are going well, and all of a sudden someone comes cut the legs out from underneath you. And that's what it symbolizes. But it's all about this serial killer, this kid, Maxwell, mm -hmm. who kills people with a silver hammer. And I enjoy this song, oddly <laughs> enough. Jake? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't now, listen. This is where I have to ask you. 
Have you did did you watch 1978's Golden Treasure of uh, Sergeant Pepper Lonely Hearts Club Band? I didn't know it existed until you told me mm-hmm. about it, and I have not seen it yet. Okay, you need to, this picture. This song, Maxwell Silver Hammer, sung by Steve Martin. Oh, that is in that movie. Okay, I can actually picture that. He's um studied metaphysical science. He kind of talks like that the whole time. Yeah. Uh, it and is that's the movie with the Bee Gees playing the, the Beatles. Bee Gees, the Bee Gees playing Sergeant Pepper's band. The Bee Gees are playing the band. They are going on an adventure to get, I think, magical instruments. Makes sense. Alice Cooper's in this movie. Am I in greener grass right now? <laughs> uh, I think Earth, Wind, and Fire. Wow, the movie. They do a cover. Oh, yes. Joel's gonna watch this for sure. You, you, I may have to to complete the set. Kent, don't watch it, but maybe watch some clips. Okay, on deal. YouTube. It's it's a trip, man. <laughs> well, I'm about to discredit everything I've said on this show. All good opinions I may have okay. ever said on Bacon Cell with just this selection. This is my... Good opinions or just opinions? Guilty Pleasure, my favorite post-Beatles song that's not Wonderful Christmas Time. Oh, post-Beatles meaning after the Beatles broke up. Post-Beatles. So, so this solo. Is, I'm going independent. Don't you dare. Can I play? Don't play that. It's not Christmas. But my favorite is maybe just as bad. Yay! Oh. Hold on, let's just enjoy this for a second. I got my mind set on you. I got my mind set on you. Okay, got my mind set on you. This is a George Harrison song. It is, and I love it. I from, love it. From 1987 for his album Cloud Nine. So this was a, this is actually a cover. Originally recorded by James Ray in 1962, when George Harrison first came over to the States in 63, he found this song and he's like, that was pretty cool. Put it away for 20 years. Mm. He's like, I'm going to do a cover. And the cover is so dang fun. I really do adjust. In fact, when Zach, Zach asked us kind of offhandedly of like, yes. what do you guys think your favorite What's solo your favorite song post- is? Yeah. Song. This was one of the first ones that came really? to mind. And not just because Rarely Yankovic did, this song is just six words long. It's yeah. a parody of it. <laughs> so good. But I really do yeah. like that song. And it's yes. funny because like it shouldn't be the song that like I'm mentioning here. There are greater songs. I would say yeah. better songs. This is just a favorite one. But this is the better song. Better musically, but more annoying lyrics. Yes. This is the song that broke the tie for number ones for the Beatles outside of the, the band themselves. And so George Harrison took the lead from there. Granted, this was his final number one. But the uh, music video has Wesley from Angel and Buffy Does and it? he's trying to win a ceramic ballerina in an arcade to win over a cute girl and I was like I kind of love this I gotta rewatch that music video I could listen to this song whenever I'm in a bad mood and I will start dancing that's how much I love it nice it's an interesting choice am I wrong for choosing it no, no. I need validation no here, it's, guys. it's a good choice I, I would agree with you Ken you know oh, I you. would have picked live and let die Yes, okay. because it's a James Bond so you song. Don't, you don't have a post-Beatles one? I didn't officially put it as a okay. category no. because it was too obvious. That probably would have been mine, Kent, honestly. Oh, okay, good. Really? Because, well, the thing is, I love Imagine's music, but sometimes it just gets really kind of, I don't know, Yeah, annoying. It's terrible. And terrible then, song. And uh, same with Happy Xmas War is Over. Terrible Wonderful song. Wonderful music. I'm not a fan of the lyrics as yeah. much. But that one probably would win. And there's, like, there's a couple by John Lennon, like Beautiful Boy and uh, Jealous Guy that I also enjoy, but... George Harrison would win it. A beautiful boy, um, but only as done in Mr. Holland's opus. Oh, I'm crying again. Oh no. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I I would have oh. I would have picked uh, Live and Let Die. Joel, if, if you want to put it on the playlist, I wouldn't be mad. Just saying. I might. My next award is the hauntingly beautiful. Oh, okay. award. Ooh. Yes. That's you, Zach. Oh yeah. I want you shoes so heavy. Yeah. Oh, the Beach Boys. It might as well be. Yeah. yeah. I would love if the Beach Boys covered no, I this. I love the harmonies. This, this is one. Because from Abbey Road. Is this the best harmonies on a Beatles song, it's, too? It might be. It's up there. 
but then this it's, is on across the universe as well, isn't it? It is, and yeah. they do a great job. It's a they, essentially it's just a straight cover mm-hmm. with more talented singers, if I'm being honest. But this song gives me chills. Are there lyrics outside of the chorus that they just repeat? Because that often gets annoying yeah. for me. But well, it's just different, you know. Because the sky is blue, it makes me cry. I which do love this song. A lot of people, um, they tied this song to September 11th because the sky was blue because there were no planes. Okay. Oh wow! Right? I'm like, oh, that's wow, spooky now. Okay, heavy. <laughs> but it, it's to me one of those songs that um, you don't always throw it on, but when you do, you you kind of stop and you just listen for a minute. Maybe you don't finish the whole song, but you're like, wow, those harmonies. It feels heavy while you're in it. Yeah, they're important, locked, but they're good. Which album yeah. was that on? Abbey Road. That's right. Yeah. So that is mine. It is because uh, my final award uh, for this is George finally got it right. And so I'm going to play this for you now. Here comes the sun. What? Here comes Abbey Road. The, sun. the last, I was going to say the last album. It's well, the second last album, but the last album. You know how that works. Uh, George Harrison wrote this one and it is fantastic. Like, I was actually shocked that after all the George Harrison not good ones I listened to, that I listened to this one and I went, I am blown away by this selection. It is. It's a great song, but it's not the George Harrison finally got it right award. No, but that's things. Well, you may do one of the other ones. I am going to. Because he actually got it. He did get it right. I have one, two, three, four uh, total songs that I like for George Harrison. Yeah. Including this one. Uh, This was one he wrote uh, actually while he was playing hooky. He was supposed to go to this meeting at Apple, and he decided to play hooky at his, his buddy Eric Clapton's house, and he was sitting in his garden, and he wrote this song. Look, guys, I don't want to point fingers at things that cause people to become better. Okay. But apparently, um, this this was a difficult time for George Harrison, but uh, after he got uh, his tonsils removed, he wrote this song. So I think maybe the tonsils <laughs> were holding him back. Oh, geez. A little bit. <laughs> to me, this is a song that's uh, you're uh, starting a rom-com. And you're getting ready for the day and you're walking to your yep. high, yeah, yeah, your yeah, high power yeah. job for sure. He did write a follow-up called Here Comes the Moon on one of his solo albums as a spiritual successor to the song. It's not that good. I feel that George Harrison was like, I'm going to write a song like the other guys did in the early 60s. This feels like an early Beatles song, except for yeah. it's very polished. It is. And it's, I feel like wonderful sound he could it. finally spread his wings a little bit because he was always just in the background. He's like, yeah. oh, I can write hits maybe, maybe too, guys. Guys, can I write songs? Couldn't really. Um, but I, I, I'm going to throw this out there. Can't, this may cannibalize anything you're going to say, but sure. uh, I have to give honorable mention also to something, to Taxman, and to While My Guitar Gently Weeps, because I think all three of those George For Harrison sure. songs also are George Finally Got It and Right. Very late era Beatles. Yeah. But Here Comes the Sun, I absolutely love this song. And by the way, uh, if you haven't heard the cover by Voodoo Glow Skulls, also really fun. Okay. It's like I'll a check really it out. Punk version. Kent? I can give this a couple names. George Harrison did it right again. <laughs> but I'm also saying the most romantic Beatles song. Really? Oh, I thought it was going to be Taxman. Romantic. Absolutely. I thought it was going to be Taxman. This song is so amazing. And this is kind of where I thought you were going to go with that one. But I, but I get it. There's a progression there. Frank Sinatra described this song as the greatest love song ever written. That's Frank Sinatra. This one came out on Abbey Road in 1969. It is widely viewed by music historians as having marked Harrison's ascendancy as a composer to the level of Beatles' principal songwriters. So basically, I think he was like, the other guys were kind of choking at the end there. Yeah. And George is like, well, they were falling I got apart. a few good ones. Yeah. 
can, can I put them up there? And Ringo's just happy to be there. Yeah, exactly. And the music video is great. It kind of shows the Beatles just living their own lives, and it's just them hanging out with their wives. And it really just kind of showed the separation of Huge. the band. But this is the person I love. And it, it's got one of the best bridges of Beatles songs, and it's just so sweet. But, yeah. It's almost got like a Clapton-esque thing to it. Very much so. Yeah, yeah something is amazing. I agree. That's a good pick. Zach? This isn't the most family-friendly award. Sorry, Joel. Uh, I call this, should I partake of the fungus grass? No. <laughs> Don't do it, kids. Strawberry fields. Uh, it's about partaking of strawberries. Ready? Here we go. Let me take you down, because I'm going Whoa. to... You guys seeing those colors too? Uh, wow! <laughs> I feel like I don't. I don't need to partake of anything. I just got the vibe. In, in concept, anytime I see this on an album, I'm like, I kind of want to skip Strawberry Fields, and then it starts. I go, I'm listening to the entire thing. I, it's a vibe. It's there's something spacey about it. Like, yeah. I, oh yeah, if, definitely. If you've never tried it, uh, just listen to this song. Like the song <laughs> in a dimly lit room. In a quiet, dimly lit room, and just stare at the wall for a minute. <laughs> Can Joel bring his lava lamp? Yeah, and I do have a suddenly lava lamp. it will start to spin. It's great. Also, again, we've referenced this not that great movie too many times, but it reminds me in Across the Universe when he's T pinning strawberries into the wall and singing that song. Yeah. And yeah. throws paint at the at the wall too. I'm yeah. happy I'm happy to have that one on the playlist because yes. it is one of those iconic Beatles songs. I, I, I feel a little floaty after I listen to it. I won't <laughs> lie. Okay, so the, does that do it for awards? I that's, know I think that's all. It's all we the awards. Keep I keep adding Beatles songs. I could keep going for I a had while. So many awards, and you guys maybe cut it down to four. I cut, I cut out the award best use of clarinet when I'm 64. Uh, you oh. have to hide your love away. No, when I'm 64. When I'm 64, oh, it's yeah, such yeah. a great song. <laughs> <laughs> that's a clarinet. <laughs> Spot on. Spot on. So good. All right, Zach, who would you like to start on our top five personal Beatles songs? So uh, difficult. I'm going to say, Kent, you should go first. All right. So give me your five from the top, your fifth Num- top Your song. fifth top My song. fifth favorite. This one was the toughest because I had 20 other songs oh, trying 100%. to cram into my what, what five spot. What do you spot. put up there? And it's this song. I need somebody. Listen. Not just I know it's not the deepest song. You know, I need we know someone. that. It is, though. It's, it's deeper than his other stuff. Having done research, I found that out. Yeah. Before I was just like, this is a banger. One, I would say the best album starter they've ever had, or maybe in the history Agreed. of music. Agreed. But this is also John Lennon saying help. Because he was having a hard time. Yeah. He didn't realize that, you know, everything they were doing was making them really famous. He couldn't quite deal. And so he's like, I'm going to write a little help. And then all of a sudden it was a bop. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I love this song. Obviously we used it in our intro yep. just because I feel like it's immediately captivating. I think I heard this song for the first time when I was seven or eight years old, and I was like, I don't know who this is, but I love it. It's a fun choice. It's an amazing choice. It's a good choice. Well, I wanted to have a little bit of variety, so I needed to pick an earlier song um, to be representative on my list. So mm-hmm. my number five is one that, to me, has one of the best bass lines of all of the songs. So how could I, then With the I saw her standing there. This was released on Please Please Me from 1963. Um, It's an 
an awesome song. This is a Lennon McCartney joint, but Paul is singing, uh, which is a theme you will notice in my list. Uh, and then I mentioned I really like that bass line. Paul McCartney was was talking about the song, and you know, years later he went on to describe how he went about the song's composition. This is a quote from him. Here's one example of a bit I pinched from someone. And pinched being stolen ah, over there. Britishisms. Uh, I used the bass riff from Talking About You by Chuck Berry, and I saw her standing there. I played exactly the same notes as he did, and it fitted our number perfectly. Even now, when I tell people, I find few of them believe me. Therefore, I maintain that a bass riff hasn't got to be original. And mm. I, I went in and verified, and sure enough, it's the same well, I mean, Beach Boys, one of the biggest, Beach Boys' biggest hits is a ripoff yes. of Chuck Berry as well. Yes. yes. Chuck Berry is amazing. Yeah. Also, shout out to this song. I, I, I didn't want to mention it here again on Bacon Sale. However, the way this song ends, is the same as that thing you do. Oh, okay. Makes me, makes me, Bias. Makes me, makes me very happy. I hear that. I saw her standing there as my fifth song. Joel? Now, like I said, I have 40 honorable mentions that I, I was whittling through, and I got these five, uh, so it's 45 total Who probably made songs. the cut? It, well, but I, like Zach said, kind of, I wanted to get a variety here. And so I tried to go, this is, what, this is one of my um, later picks, shall I say, because I thought this song, something about this song really did speak to me, especially during my time of, my angsty times, shall I say. Mm-hmm. And I just think 1998. A, and I love the <laughs> harmonies so much around it. Yeah. yeah. But it's so good. He's a there we go. I love this. This is on the list. So this is Nowhere Man, The Rubber Soul, uh, mostly John Lennon, but credited to McCartney. This was written, uh, this, this is number three on the Billboard Hot 100, but it describes a man with no direction in his life and no genuine worldview. But it also has a kind of a positive feel to it. Like it says, Nora man, please listen. You don't know what you're missing. Nora man, the world is at your command. So it's giving this message of hope to someone who's feeling a little lost, a little awash, and doesn't know what they want to do with their life. It is one of the first Beatles songs to be entirely unrelated to romance or love. Because they were almost exclusively yeah. love songs for the first couple albums. And in Yellow Submarine, I watched that cartoon many times as a kid. And this it is, explains a lot, Joel. This is the, the song they sing about the character Jeremy Hillary Boob. And it's a silly song, but yeah. those are the visuals going through my head as I hear this song. I love the harmonies. And, and Lennon wrote this song. Also, this is another Lennon being troubled song because he mm-hmm. wrote this when he was trying to come up with another song for Rubber Soul. And so he wrote this song about being so frustrated and, and desperate for an idea. Yeah. So, Nowhere Man. Great song. Kent, my number four. Hey. Thank you. Thank you. There's Georgie Boy. There's Georgie Boy. Maybe the most divisive character on this episode. Because George Harrison has had some real bombs, but, this but when is he such su- a good when he finally song. succeeds near the end of his career with flying colors, and while my guitar gently weeps, this is from the White Album, which you know rare reference highlights. on the best list. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Definitely from 1968. The band was in disrepair after their issues in India, mm-hmm. and he's like, "I've got this song. You guys want to hear it?" And they were like, "We don't really like the yeah, composition." Yeah, total total apathy. Yeah, of this which is insane. Yeah, it sounds so good. It just sounds so good. Eric Clapton, uh, uncredited. But he uh, overdubs a lead guitar part. Yeah, so he plays the guitar solo yeah. in it. And it really jazzed at the song. And the band was like, all right, we'll go with it. Yeah. But basically, we all have this potential inside that could be unrealized. And that is the theme behind the song. And mm-hmm. I just love it. And some covers are amazing. Regina Spector. Miss. All good. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Pick. And I was actually glad well, you all these are going to be great. I yeah. hope. Yeah. But I, I just hoping you were going to pick that one because I was like, I felt a little sad not having it on. Yeah. And my George got it right list. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Zach, what's your number four? All right, my number four was uh, honestly confusing to me, and I just was compelled to put it on my list because it's, it's a fun song, but this one's so ridiculous. We're 
it's Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. It's the intro to yeah. the album. Uh, there's just something about this song, man. Is it what? a half song or is it a full song? Well, in this whole thing, it's kind of a half song that the reprise later yeah. finishes. This yeah. whole album was a concept uh, by Paul McCartney of just saying, what if there was this fictional band, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, and they sang different songs than the Beatles would sing? Mm-hmm. Yes. And he wanted to have this whole persona of like Billy Shears and and all these different people. And they did the whole thing. I wouldn't even talk about Paul being dead. No. Uh, there was a whole thing about... Uh, yeah, conspiracy, Paul's dead. Yeah, they were saying Paul's dead and being replaced. <laughs> kind of like Avril Lavigne kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, she is dead. Uh, but the album cover definitely kind of echoed that as well. Yeah. But I love that song, Zach. The only song I'd put maybe above it is the reprise. Yeah, I, I like the reprise the as well. Really? I, I feel like this, this sets the stage. Well, I get this song in my head all the time. But it feels wrong not putting with a little help from my friends right after, though. It it, it, it does right it after. does yeah. smooth right into it because yeah. of the, uh, the the clapping and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But that one's a Ringo song song, and so you know, throw with that. Joe Cocker is better. It's Just better, saying. but still, that's brilliant together. It's, but it's it's a it's a good pair. Um, once again, this is sung by Paul. Uh, this is a Lennon McCartney, but mostly Paul wrote this one. All right, again, a theme for my entire list. Joel, what is your next? If we were doing a try not to move challenge or try not to dance challenge, there's no way I would make it through this song. Yeah. Right now, it'd be okay, and all of a sudden. Eight days a week. This is almost my intro. Yeah. Uh, three podcast geeks. Oh, yeah. Three like podcast geeks. It's such geeks. a good song. Uh, this is on Beatles for Sale in yeah. the UK and Beatles Six in the US. This is a, a McCartney's idea uh, based on something he heard from a cab driver when he said, "How you been?" And he's like, "Oh, working hard, working eight days a week." That's a, just, <laughs> There's only <yeah>. seven. <laughs> one of the reasons I, I think I, this song stuck out to me. I, mean, I love the clapping. I love the beat. But it, like the the fade in, the opening fade in is kind of this unique sound to a Beatles song where they don't just kind of jump yeah. on a note. It's kind of like the song just appears and comes up over the horizon. Like hard, hard day's night starts by yelling at you. Just yeah, bang. yeah. But this is just I I this is one of the songs they brought. To, I think they said it was the first work they brought to the studio unfinished and then worked on it together uh, during a session to and then that became kind of common practice after that to kind of get together and kind of finish songs together. It was a huge American hit, although a lot of the group didn't like it. Uh, John Lennon. John Lennon didn't like a lot of stuff. He called this song lousy, and okay. they never performed this song live. Really? Hmm. Uh, at a, like a concert. This it's was, so fun. I know. Get the, the audience to clap along. I love Eight Days a Week. This song was almost given the award. Uh, I loved it in the Rock Band. Another thing I haven't yeah. Yeah. mentioned. The Beatles Rock yes. Band. The Beatles Rock Band. I had that game and loved it because it yeah. came with a, a Paul McCartney violin bass. Love um, it. But uh, yeah, this one was really fun to play in the game. I agree. Kent. Uh, this should be the award of you guys probably want to include this, but this is my third favorite Beatles song. Why wouldn't you love this song? I just don't know if you have it in your top five. Unless you do, we'll get there. But this is on Revolver from 1966. This is Eleanor Rigby. Yes. I love this song. This might even be my favorite Beatles song because when I was 13 years old, I hated taking piano, but I had to. Mm-hmm. And a piano recital was coming up and my teacher said, hey, you can do any song you want. I said, are Beatles songs pretty hard to play? She's like, no, play this one, Eleanor Rigby. I can still play it to this you day. You can? Because I quit piano right after that. So it was the final song I ever played. I play this one every couple months just to keep the muscle memory in my fingers. See, I, I used to do Let It Be all the oh, time. Oh, so the good. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's been so long. I've lost the muscle memory. I got to do it again. Uh, this one is mostly written by Paul, but credited to both of them. But then John Lennon, this is where there's actually a fight. He's like, 
Uh, Iroh actually wrote 50 to 80% of the lyrics, and Paul's that like... That wasn't the, the accent. Yeah, no. And Paul said, mm, you maybe wrote 20% of that. That wasn't the accent. <laughs> mm. Mm. But I love this song. I devour it. It's a little heavy. The lyrics this are... This is one of those that also makes you stare off in kind of the horizon of just yeah. like, wow, this is... And, and I love it because I get a little annoyed with the Beatles being like, uh, I love you. This song's about love. This is how I feel. And this tells a story. And so I, I love Beatles songs that go a little bit deeper. Nah, Kent hates love. <laughs> well, all right, Zach, what is your number three? My number three comes from the White Album, shockingly. All right. Okay. Oh, Blackbird. It's going to shock you. This is a song that's sung by Paul. Uh, it's, a Lennon <laughs> McCar- it's a Lennon McCartney, but it was mostly Paul. Yeah. I think the song's beautiful. It is. It is. Um, this song is so good, it actually overcomes... The 30 seconds of nonsense bird noise at the end. Oh, yeah. I almost gave it the award for most over, the overcomes the bird sounds. Yeah. But I just like the song too much to not include it in my top list. Uh, I think it's beautiful. Um, and I think it's also covered well. Um, once again, yeah. across the universe, they really strip it down. Uh, it's a good I understand there. there's a good version of this one, too. There's several good covers of this song, I think, proving it's a it's The a song has song. a legacy maybe deeper than most Beatles songs. Yes. Strangely. Well, and it's, it's so simple. It is a simple song, but it's actually, um, I, I found it a little bit more powerful when I realized I, I, it is a song about the civil rights movement in mm-hmm. the 60s. Yeah. And Blackbird, Paul McCartney has said, could be substituted with uh, Black Girl. Hmm. And you think about take these broken wings and learn to fly. Yeah. It's beautiful. Wow. It really is. A, it's, it's a beautiful and, and powerful message. That's and I, so good. I love the song for it. I really could, I really would like the birds to not be there at the end. But uh, this is a good song nonetheless. Blackbird from the White Album. Joel? Once again, going with Variety, I decided it was time for me to pick a cover. Okay, who's, who's this a cover of? The Isley Brothers. And when did they do it? Uh, 1962. So is it? And Beatles did it in 63. Was it a popular song or was it one of those situations it, where... It hit, it hit the charts by the Isley Brothers. But in fact, when I told, I told my dad and my mom, I told them my top five. And my dad was like, Twist and Shadows in the Beatles song. And I said, I didn't say original songs. He's like, but it's not a Beatles song. And I said, they made it their own. He's like, can't argue with that. I would say this is probably the more popular version now. Oh, definitely. But uh, yeah. But that thing is like this song. This was one of their big boom hits that went out there. And we talked about this kind of on our cover show. But John Lennon did a take, ruined his vocal cords, tried to do a second take, didn't have anything left and like can't do it. And so this is actually called the most famous single take in rock history. Oh, wow. This is a single take song. And it would have hit cool. number one if it weren't for Can't Buy Me Love. And this was... Uh, they did this <laughs> hey, one. being number two. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They did this one at Ed Sullivan in 1964, one of the songs they played during that thing. And then, of course, we talked about it. Zach, this was in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, mm-hmm. which leads me to ask myself the question, do I love this song because it's in Ferris Bueller's Day Off or do I love Ferris Bueller's Day Off because it has this song in you it? You love Ferris Bueller's Day Off because it's a good movie. This That's is also a fine true. enough song, but it's fair. you love Ferris Also, when I was in fifth grade, we were asked to do a uh, project for the class where we had to perform a song. Mm-hmm. And we could either perform it live or we could perform it at home and record it and then show the tape. This was the song I chose, was Twist and Shout. Okay. Did you do it live? I, did it, I recorded it on my fireplace at home with the stereo playing and it was very uh, cringeworthy, and I hope that tape is destroyed. <laughs> I would love to see that so yeah. much. But I love the harmonies. It's just a fun, full of spirit song, and it always makes me happy whenever I hear it. So twist and shout. Kent's number... I'm going, I'm going early on this one. This two. is my number two, and it's from With the Beatles from 1963. Close your eyes, and I'll kiss you tomorrow. I'll miss you, all my loving. It's great. Written by Paul McCartney. It's great. 
Uh, this is the first song that Paul McCartney wrote the words for. He wrote the words first on this song. Normally yeah. he wrote the music and he's like, I'll fit something in there. But he, he wrote the words, he's like, I'll make the music work somehow. Yep. That was one of the weirdest things watching that uh, documentary was he'd come in the studio and play the song and just kind of do scatting and gibberish. Yeah. And then be like, I'll, I'll get the lyrics later. Yeah. What city is JoJo in? Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Arizona? But just like you guys talked about, like the beginning of Beatles songs, sometimes they just kind of sneak in there. Sometimes they just jump right in. This is one of those for me that just jumps right in. Yeah. I, I, like I can't get enough of this song. This yeah. is... Was almost my number one. It, like I said, most of these top fives, any one of them could be my number one. Yeah, oh, I love it so much. It's probably my number seven. You okay, know? it's it's so good. Yeah, yeah, it's such a good song. This is gonna be a shocker. So my song, uh, it's, your number two, it's, my number two, it's, it's sung by Paul. Uh, it's a Lennon <laughs> McCartney joint, but mostly Paul. And it's surprisingly, it's not that one though. It almost was. Oh, darling, I like this song because it's just a rock and roll song. Oh, you know, okay. Screamy at the end. I love it. It's just, I like a little bit more of a of a, a raw kind of broken down rock song. There's no weirdness here. It's just kind of a straightforward, uh, almost more classic rock type song. Yeah, kind of like a school dance sort of song. Yeah, it's it's got the sway to it. Yeah, it it has an old school feel, maybe a little bit more fifties. Mm-hmm. And I love Paul's voice in it. He would, you know, do take after take trying to get this right he would he would shout and try and, and you know even the screams for paul because usually john did that yeah well well and this is the the thing with this song uh john i think is super jealous of this song because uh-huh. he often quoted as saying um you know it was fine but it that was more my thing that song would have been better for my voice um he's right and because mm. he, he was the rock voice yeah and i think paul's voice is better for it's this. good but but Lennon's yeah, more natural that, with it. So Lennon was like, eh, it was a good song, but it would have been better with me. Yeah. I mean, you know, they hated each other. So it's obviously so he would say that. Yeah. But, oh, Darlin' to me is, I've often said it's my favorite Beatles song. And uh, this challenge knocked it down one position. Wow. Ooh, I'm intrigued. Yeah. Joel? So your number two, Oh, Darlin'. my number two, Oh, Kent, what was your what was your number two? Oh, my loving? Oh, okay. This is my number two favorite Beatles song. Almost my number one. Close your eyes. Yes. I hate that we have a crossover because it was one less good song on the playlist. But I really do love this song. And I hate to say it, but part of it may be because of the Chipmunks. Because there was a Chipmunks <laughs> Play the Beatles hits album that we had. And this yeah. song, I loved it on there. But this is their opening number from the Ed Sullivan performance. And it's a fantastic song, even though it wasn't ever released as a single in the United Kingdom or the United States. Also, uh, maybe on a sadder note. This song was reportedly playing on the, the sound system at Roosevelt Hospital when Len, uh, John Lennon was there and pronounced dead. Oh, wow. On December of 1980. Wow. Oh, way, way to bring that down. A TV producer said that's what was playing, and I was like, I don't know what the odds are of that, but if it is, that's some weird cosmic stuff happening there. So, yeah, I love All My Loving. The, the lyrics, the vocals, the music, all comes together. Love that song. It's adorable. Great choice. My favorite Beatles song. <laughs> this okay. is number one, guys. Number one for you. Let's close it out strong. Okay. My number one song is Day in the Life. It's Day in the Life. Yeah. This is from Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club, Club Band in 1967. John Lennon wrote the intro and outro. He had these two parts of a song. And he's like, Paul, I need some help. What can you do for me here? Paul's like, okay, let's talk about waking up. <laughs> it's know, like every student film in college. Basically, John Lennon's like, I'm going to go uber deep with this one. I'm reading the newspaper. I'm reading about a death of someone. And he's like, Paul make it poppy make this song fit 
And I think with their collaboration, and I think this is the kind of magic that they put together. Mm -hmm. And then you, you get to the last 45 seconds, maybe it's a minute, and the orchestra start, starts coming up. You're like, oh, that's a little distracting. This is getting crazy. But then it, the, the way it just crescendos into brilliance with that final note. Like we, Zach and I have been bashing on uh, cacophonies. Yes. Which is just, you know, disorganized sound. Mm -hmm. But this one works. It's this dissonance that's happening there. And then when it finally gets to that boom. Yeah. There's something so satisfying about that. Yeah. So in, in my mind and heart, this is my favorite and the best. There's Beatles an song. argument to be made. Yes, for sure. Just because even they would agree mm -hmm. they made something magical here. Yeah. And many people, if you look at their top songs, will put this at or or near the top every time. Yeah, as they should. But Zach, what is your number one? My number one is a beautiful, lovely, maybe saddish little 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 ditty. Helena Rigby. Yeah. Okay, another double up. Oh, okay, I knew it was gonna happen. Because I feel like you should include two other songs that have been on the playlist as well. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Just cause. I why like this song, Zach? This song just it, it hits me. I think it's because it shows musicianship. This okay. to me, I doesn't matter that it's the Beatles. Anyone you know could have could have played this song, and it, I would think, oh, that's a good song, right? It's not tainted by the Beatlesisms. Yeah, it's just. Uh, I mean, well, it's it's sung by Paul. Uh, it's a Lennon McCartney joint, but it's mostly Paul, which <laughs> is shocker. My entire list. What I really like as well is the instrumentation. So Eleanor Rigby does not have the, the regular instrumentation and the regular mm -hmm. backing. None of the Beatles played instruments on it. Although Lennon and Harrison did contribute harmony vocals, like yesterday, Eleanor Rigby employs classical string ensemble. In this case, an octet of studio musicians comprising four violins, two violas, and two cellos, all performing a score composed by George Martin. Wow. So this isn't actually uh, Beatles playing their instruments. I think it's one of the reasons I like it. I think it's just a well-written orchestral type song. Although I just realized none of us picked yesterday, <gasps> which is literally, I think, the most covered song ever. Wow. I don't, I don't like it. I love it. So I love it, but it didn't. I, I didn't put we'll it. We'll include it on the playlist, probably. Maybe if we have to substitute out. But I can tell you what, I'm gonna have to substitute out another song because my number one has already been discussed. Really? But it really is when once again when we talked about. Favorite Beatles songs. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to pick. And this one kept coming to mind. And I went, that has to be it then. Help, I need so good. Help, so, I mean, help, okay, just a little personal story here. Help, this is the song that my brother used to teach me about harmony. Mm -hmm. He was talking about harmony. I'm like, what is harmony? And he said, well, we'll sing help. So I start singing help melody. And he starts singing the other thing. And all of a sudden I heard it. And my brain just went, oh, these two notes that are totally different sound so good together. Yeah. And it taught me what harmony is. I, this is one of those songs that I can listen to anytime. I, I don't skip. I really enjoy it. This was number one in the UK and US singles charts. And th this was, once again, Ken, a very, uh, this is a Lennon McCartney joint effort mm -hmm. where John had the song. In fact, they, they, they were doing the movie and they said they changed the title of the film. They changed the title of the film. It's going to be called Help Now. So I had to write a new song with the title Help. <laughs> so he had to write a song with that title. He said, What am I going to do? And he ends up writing one of their best songs. He was oh, under yeah. pressure. And then he brings it to Paul and he says, it's not finished. I need someone to com complete it. And then Paul did that counter melody arrangement so that just good. makes it so much better than it could have been. So Help is my number one favorite Beatles song for now, because as you know, these lists are absolutely subject to change every five minutes. There are three self-important songs in the Beatles catalog. Hey Jude, Yesterday and Let It Be. Have we dropped the ball? No, oh, I don't like those songs. <laughs> I like them all a lot. They're the self-important songs, though. I honestly... Mm. The trifecta. Let It Be is is my pick of that litter. Mine, too. 
I actually thought one of you guys was going to put any of those in there. Which I, is why I chose, know. I chose Nora Man as my slower song. <gasps> I'm stressed. <laughs> but I do get to substitute some. Yeah, please you do. You too. Or maybe you get to substitute Zach them. and you do. Hmm. Oh, so you're the John. Yeah, I'm the John. Well, come on. <laughs> All right. Listen, I've dated people that wanted me to quit podcast before. So <laughs> <laughs> you have dated Yoko's. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. My ring, though. So there you go. There's our list of our top five and bottom five. You can, we can find uh, all these songs that we've talked about and then maybe a few others since we repeated. Absolutely. At uh, BakingCell.com or on our social media posts. Guys, really quick, I want, I want to do one more thing before we leave. I know this is a long episode, but I just it's a, it's a big topic we're covering here, a big band. I want to just ask you real quick, top favorite album. Like your favorite album, maybe your least favorite album, just real quick. Real quick, Rubber Soul, favorite. Favorite album. Yeah. That's my parents' favorite. Least favorite, Yellow Submarine. Oh, okay. Kind of a cheat because so Half many of the of songs are a soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not even the Beatles. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, that's how it goes okay. for me. Zach? Uh, Zach? I don't know because I already bashed on all the albums. That's what I was going to say. I want to know which one you album actually Album listening liked. experience is bad. Maybe Abbey Road. Okay. Okay. The the ending of Abbey Road with the, it's the series of songs that are essentially one big kind of right. movement. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, that's that's a good one. It's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's got some good, like solid songs on it. It doesn't get too terribly weird. Yeah. Um, so I'd say Abbey Road is probably the most listenable. And there is an interesting story behind that medley on mm-hmm. the second half. I, I do have it in my notes. Like I went through every album, made notes about each album, which I'm not sharing here. Yeah. Uh, my top out, I, I did a scientific thing. I did a little spreadsheet and like kind of marked which ones I liked and then looked at the numbers and help one. I oh, like every okay. single track on help. Yeah. The least favorite was white album. There is well, like, yeah. Oh, my, le- my least yeah. favorite. How much you got versus how much you like. There was a bad ratio. There. Yeah. My least favorite. It's between the white album and magical mystery tour. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't, don't. Magical like. Mystery Tour. That song is so much fun, too. As much as the album. It's too trippy us. for me. But, uh, yeah. So there we go. Wow. We did it, guys. Thank you so much for letting me finally do of a Beatles episode on Bacon Sale. Let us know, listener, if you're a fan of the Beatles, if you like them, if you don't like them, what songs you like, what songs you don't. Are there songs you thought we should have included that we didn't even talk about? Which we just realized there were probably three big ones. Yeah, we, absolutely. We left out here. Well, we could only do a top five. It's not they're, easy. They're going on the playlist. Like, <laughs> I, I think uh, Paul said they wrote, uh, him and John, just him and John wrote about 300 songs. Oof. Not all released, of course, yeah. but there's a lot of oh, songs to choose like from. Like 15 of them are good. <laughs> but let us the know. The rest on, were George. <laughs> let us know if you agree with Zach or you agree with me or if you agree with Kent on, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. We want to hear from you. All right, before we go, we'd like to thank our patrons. So from the I and the Listener category, we have Sir and Madam Hicks, Shannon West, Scott Sprague, Ryan and Marley, Rocky and Steph, Lady Terry A. Finley, Juice the Cooler King Swallow, Jennifer Kilkowski, Dave Kelly, Casey Cummings, Briggs is Hot, Angela Plotz, Andrew in the Cold and Dark, and Adam and Rachel Crump. And from the Bacon Council, we have the one, the only, Chris Anderson, Stephen, everyone's favorite Ross, Star Wars expert Kyler, our favorite couple, the Madsons, Nicole D. Kale, Johnny English, the Brick, Her Royal Highness Jessica Terry, Glow Clan Daniel, Debbie Foster, and Beaker. Thank you, patrons. You are the Obla D to our Obla Da. <laughs> what do you even include, include that song at I all? I know. I, it's not good. It's good. It's not great. It's terrible. It's so good. Blech. But if you want to find me, you can find me at 7 Joel oh, on no. Twitter, or you can find me performing the Quick Wits. They perform at the mid... <laughs> <laughs> go on they, they perform at the Midvale Performing Arts Center for more details go to qwcomedy.com or go to the Quickwits Facebook page whenever I do my wacko voice I was going that was all four Beatles I have a, 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 a emergency there may have been seven Beatles yeah <laughs>
<laughs> There's seven now? And the voice thing. If you want to find me on Twitter or Instagram, it's at Kenny3DD. If you want to read my movie reviews, it's ShowtimeShowdown.com. If you'd like to connect with me, you can do so on Twitter and Instagram. That's at TumblingMustard. But more importantly, make sure you're following Bacon Sale. Please like that Facebook page and visit at Bacon Sale on Twitter and Instagram. While you're doing that, go to tpublic.com slash Bacon Sale where you can get yourself some merch. And then if you like the show, you like what's going on here and you want to support us further, visit Patreon.com slash Bacon Sale. Support starts at just $3 a month and you can get us some like if you want the video game talk we sometimes talk about video games on bacon bits patreon.com slash bacon sale so until next time I buried whole Beatles high right now, and I just oh, want to. Nope, you are not allowed to do that. Not that, be, not kind of Beatles high. <laughs> it's a side of gravy for you, Zach. I'm gonna put my fingers in it. Do it. I definitely remember that conversation in Cracker Barrel where you broke my heart. I'm burping. I'm ready for Jim Sturgisants. I was, I was born and raised in Beatlesville. We need a guy with a punchable face. He's <laughs> also adorable. Okay, they're no longer the imagined dragons of their time. Yeah. Oh, so now the greener grass has mushrooms. Uh, apparently. The Beatles are the greener grass with fungus. Is Paul Leonardo. is Leonardo. John is Raphael. Donatello is George. Mm-hmm. And Paul is Michelangelo. And then you get Ringo, who's happy to be there. He's so cute. So, oh, oh, I feel like killing somebody right now. Oh, take it easy. <laughs> there is some nonsense. Show stuff. me on the doll where the benefit of Mr. Kite hurt you. <laughs> That's a weird school. It was a weird school. <laughs> we're nerds. It's a prequel to Dancing in the Street. Dancing. Sure. Yellow Submarine sticks with you forever. So serial killers like this song, I don't. <laughs> so if you like this song, you're probably a serial killer. <laughs> well, we don't know what we're talking there, about. There's karate involved. It's kind of, there's an instrument, but it's not a piano. Zach, <laughs> like, I love that. You do have childhood innocence inside you. There it sits in there somewhere. 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 Oh, I'm crying again. Oh, no. Oh, oh wrong. <laughs> That's a clarinet. <laughs> Spot on. Now let's all jump in. Well, I'm baking. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to yell at a baby. <laughs> <laughs>